welcome back to the Go Parade. This is the Modest Mouse episode. The definitive? Yes, uh, the Cameroon and Antarctica. <laughs> That's only going to be funny to about four people. I hope it's funny. I, it's funny to me. I love it. Yeah. How'd your wife feel about it? She hated it. She hated, Of course she did. It's one That's of the cheesiest funny. dad things you've said in a while. Um, well, I changed it. It was the Cameroon and Antarctica. Either way, which, it works. No, but the Cameroon and Antarctica. Altica. There it is. <laughs> Does anyone even know what we're talking about? We're talking about Modest Mouth. Hey! <laughs> and I shout that you're all fakes. Fakes! Does, he, does anybody get that one? Nah, no, I don't think so. My thoughts are so loud right now that I can barely hear. <laughs> so let's get we're, into we're, it. we're just going to be talking in quotes all day, aren't we? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, hey, guys, welcome back. This is episode three of season 39. Season three, the season return. Season three, the return. And this is the Modest Mouse episode. The Cameroon in Antarctica. <laughs> now, tell the listener why this episode is so important, Cam. Well, since... Season two's episode, the the definitive Radiohead album sorting that we went through. It was definitely a sorting. Uh, the violent onslaught of that episode. We we were like, we need another definitive band this season. And me and you just knew it was going to be Modest Mouse. We had to because all we talk about in our text chain <laughs> is the bassist of Modest Mouse. I sent you a text picture last night. I was like, we, we already talked about top Judy moments. When was that? And I just typed Judy into my phone <laughs> and it's just uh, just tons of from the last like three years just, just us being like talking dude. about Eric Judy. some of them were random like dude Judy, Judy. man <laughs> <laughs> and for the people who don't know what we're talking about already we're talking about Eric Judy the basis of Modest Mouse also just quickly before we even get even deeper into this this is a learning experience for those of you out there who aren't Modest Mouse fans, or perhaps for those fans who only listen to good news for people who love bad news. Yeah, if that was your uh, tragic start to this band. I think, you know what? Let's not call it tragic. Let's not push that listener away, because what we want to do is invite them in and say, hey, we're so sorry that this is the record that you started with. And probably I'm, ended with, let's be real. Probably ended with, um, but I think that's not that type of listener's fault because float on was shoved down everybody's throats when mm -hmm. it came out and a lot of people hadn't heard of modest mouse there's people listening that maybe that's the only song by this band they've ever heard they've ever heard yeah and they've that's maybe heard possible. ocean breeze salty which was the second release off of good news yeah um but what we're gonna try to do is for those of you out there and i can imagine there's at least a couple of you um that haven't listened to the back discog of Modest Mouse. We're going to attempt to explain to you why it's not only so timeless, but also so important. Yeah, important to everything that came in the late 90s and through the 2000s. I mean, important in the canon of American indie rock music. It's On just the album Lonesome Crowded West alone, yeah. there's whole new genres of music that right. end up being extremely like you take songs like bankrupt on selling oh my god doing the cockroach we're gonna talk uh, about all these Fuck. you know obviously heart, heart cook's brain these right. are all different styles of indie rock that people kind of broke off and made their own Absolute. bands out of yeah totally you know, modest mouse was hugely influ influential for a lot of people playing music including myself and they are the band that got me as a young high schooler out of punk rock Right, and and that's not to say that I loved Modest Mouse when I first heard it. When I, I first I heard, pushed back pretty yeah. hard. When I, I first heard Modest Mouse, I was fucking confused. Me too. That's yeah. that's the best way to describe it. I heard Never Ending Math Equation was the first song. That I That was ever your heard. first song. Somebody put on Building Nothing Out of Something, and I was like, 
This is kind of cool, I guess, but like the guitars don't sound right. They're very naked and bare. I don't right. understand why that decision and is. And what's that weird sound? What is happening there with Isaac Brock's guitar tone? What yeah. is that weird vibrato, shimmery kind of I still of don't thing? know what his guitar is. I it, don't think I ever will. It seems like it's a Kramer. Seems it? like he was playing like a lot like of a Kramer Brookstone or, or <laughs> Ibanez's Brownstone. Early Ibanez. <laughs> okay, so now you were talking about how you first kind of got into Modest Mouse. Yeah, Elaborate it, on that. Let's talk about that first. The, or the early, the early love of them. I, I, I think I heard Never Ending Math Equation, and then I heard some Sad Sappy Sucker. Really? Yeah. It, really weird origins for where I came in, and nothing really was totally clicking for me right um until i heard third planet because it was right i'd say it was the year 2000 where I heard it was all this at, at once yeah and that's right when moon came out and i remember my friend david he was the one who was really into modest mouse and i was like i don't, I don't get it. he had seen him live already a couple times as right like a friggin eighth grader of course so cool and uh then when we were on a drive my mom was driving us to a skate park or something he yeah. put in moon and he's like i just got the new modest mouse and i was like okay I get it now, right? Because obviously, Moon Antarctica is, at least, I think they're they're crowning achievement. They're, it is an achievement, definitely. They're, they're absolutely especially since we're off. talking about a band that has put out so few studio records, studio LPs, uh, in in conjunction or taking into account the length of their career. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> that was kind of the not the same similar origin stories for me. I can't believe you listened to Never Ending and then Sad Sappy Sucker, guys. If you're confused, sorry, I'm talking to the listener again. That's We're getting good. ahead. Yeah, of I'm going. I'm moving fast. Yeah, I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to pull us back every now I like and then. That. Please do. Um, Guys, we're talking. We're we're maybe throwing out some vernacular right now that you might not be affiliated with or understand what the fuck we're talking about. We will get to it, I promise. Yes. So, the year was two thousand for me as well. When you first heard them, I had already bought Kid A, so it was late two thousand for mm. me. Uh, the moon had the moon in Antarctica, guys, is what we're talking about. June uh, came out June two thousand. June, so it had already been out for a few months. Um, by that point, I was 12 years old. Mm -hmm. um, I hit puberty early, so I was running with an older crowd. Thank God, because right. they had much better music taste than I was even really old enough to be aware of at the time. Um, but I had already heard Gorilla Self-Titled mm -hmm. and Kid A at that point. And I heard so many things that changed my life in the course Me of that too. year. And The Moon in Antarctica by Modest Mouse was one of them. Mm -hmm. um, and I bought it because I had heard Tiny Cities Made of Ashes. Interesting. And I liked the bass line. That was the of, first song you heard. That was the first song I heard without knowing who it was. And someone's like, oh, this is Modest Mouse. I'm wow. Like, who the fuck is Modest Mouse? Such a different introduction. I love that. Though. There was this guy, talk about cool guys. I mean, he wasn't cool to me at the time. Now he's cool because he was young and I look back on his affinity for Modest Mouse. And I'm jealous that he had such an obsession at such an early age that I didn't have. Mm -hmm. But he was a freshman or a sophomore. I was in seventh grade. Yeah. Um, and he was always wearing a Modest Mouse shirt. Um, he was always talking about Modest Mouse. He had glasses. He had long hair. I love this guy. Total schlep. Yeah. Total schlep. Um, complete nerd. But he's the one who pointed it out to me. He's like, oh, you like that? That's Modest Mouse. Yeah, they're my favorite band. I'm like, okay, cool. What is this off of? He's like, it's called the Boot Antarctica. It just came out. Go get it. So I went and I get it. And I think I got it from a Best Buy on compact disc. And I take it home and I put it on. 
and I hear Third Planet. Mm -hmm. And the first thing I think is, what the fuck did I just buy? Right. Why am I listening to this? <laughs> I was so confused. Right. Um, especially when it breaks into the choruses. Because you're like, why do why these guitars not have distortion on them? Right. Why do they not have distortion? Why does this guy sound like he's a sped up Alvin and the Chipmunks? <laughs> what record? is he talking about? I had no idea what type of poetry. What, did your boss just get hit by a car? What happened? Right. What happened to you, dude? <laughs> um, and it took me a really long time to get into the moon and Antarctica. And that was the record that I had for a long time before something just clicked inside yeah. of me. And I feel like it's, well, for me, it's obviously getting a little bit older because it's not, it's not, you know, like the punk rock I was listening to that the pop punk, that kind right. of stuff. Like that's really easy to digest when you're young. Oh yeah. And this was, this was more complicated for the first time I would describe something I was listening to as angular or right. odd. Um, and the singer, you know, there was no polish to him. And he sounded like he was, wasn't was even that close to the goddamn microphone. <laughs> right, right, and, right, right. But I have to say uh, a, some, a thing that led me to my affinity and love for Modest Mouse that it would be remiss if I didn't bring up is honestly marijuana. Of I course. Started, I started smoking marijuana in high school and Modest Mouse all of a sudden clicked like that. It was yeah. just, oh my God. Like the whole world, because, you know, marijuana opens your mind and... With Modest Mouse. I, I That's was, such a narc thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's fucking true. I mean, it does. Like, I mean, marijuana, was, it's just like, I, I, I love marijuana. I yeah. smoke it all the time. I'm high on shit. I'm I think our right listeners now. know that, Cam. Yeah. Yeah. I think they've heard you <laughs> cough into the mic a few episodes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But Modest Mouse and marijuana made sense to me. For sure. School. Like, it was, those were my best friends. I want to talk that about. I had, I had friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about that for just a second, as far as like, hearing Modest Mouse for the first time in our youth, being very confused. Uh, even though we were into angsty music at the time, uh, this was a completely different type of angst, as you just said, very angular, very strange. Mm -hmm. um, and it seems to me, uh, now that I look back on it, and now that I have friends like you and other good friends who are also big Modest Mouse fans, um, we all kind of share the same story. It seems to me that fandom and or obsession with the group's irregularly guttural an inclusively vulnerable singularity usually for most does not at all come overnight, but instead waits patiently in the wings until an obscurity of perspective clicks in one's psyche. Only then does it make sense. You right. know what I mean? Yeah, like, totally. And it becomes a focal point of this lingering fascination, mm -hmm. which is why you and I are sitting here in our early to mid thirties or rather early to late thirties, mm -hmm. um, talking about this band that we've been listening to for literally, you know, like over 20 years. We've been listening right. to Modest Mouse for over 20 years. And again, I'm so glad we're doing this because I've listened to Modest Mouse all week. Yeah, me it's too. It's been a great week. It's, it's been, been really, one of the better weeks I've been, had. It's been a really sunny oh. week to listen to Modest Mouse. It has. But, <laughs> but I don't, it's just nice like revisiting. It's like seeing old friends almost. Right. So, I That's mean, exactly what it feels like. And, and just for the listener, when I'm, and me and Al are talking about this, we're basically talking about the glory years of Modest Mouse, which I would describe basically as 95 to 05. 95 to 05, yes. Yeah, basically is where, I, that's through good news. Right. And even good news is a blind spot for me. I don't want to call myself a purist, but it is, it's a very tangible thing mm -hmm. for such fervent Modest Mouse fans like you and I, especially well, if they're Well, Good News was catalog. the first album at that time that had absolutely incredible 
songs on it and also had some of the worst garbage I could ever imagine. Some of the worst garbage, but also it <laughs> opened up their accessibility to a whole new generation. Well, of course, we're talking just purely float on there. But Good News is still a very, I mean, they've had six LPs in six. total. And six and, EPs, correct? And six EPs. And right. we're mostly concerning ourselves with the first three LPs. First three LPs and, and then the most first, of those EPs. Most of the EPs. Yeah. I've got some blind spots on the EPs too. Like uh, the one no that came up. No one's first and you're next. Yeah. It's actually no one's first and you're next or last or whatever they want to call it. She's such a modest mouse title. <laughs> yeah, uh, very confusing. Uh that one's got a couple bangers on it. And 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 we'll get there when we get basically what we're gonna be counting down today is our top yeah. ten modest mouse album songs. LP songs. Yes. Right. Our top ten modest mouse non LP songs. From EPs and compilations. And before you think that's super elitist and ridiculous. Modest Mouse is, is a band. Yeah, it is. It is. It's but super elitist. Modest, there's not a lot of bands like Modest Mouse that have this large of a back catalog. Right. Like their back catalog is extremely well-loved. Right. You know? Also, on that note, too, it strikes me looking through their discography that Modest Mouse was a band from their humble beginnings in, well, you know, 92, 93, 94, who were tracking demos for like two or three years before any of them even saw the light of day. Yes. Yeah. Most of them at Dub Narcotic Studios. Exactly. With, with Calvin, Calvin Johnson. Johnson of K Records. Of course. Right. Love Love K Records. Love that studio, the stories, the lore. The lore. There's a lot Can't of lore. Can't stand his voice. Yeah. Calvin Johnson. Can't stand it. Yeah, his. I watched a couple interviews with him to kind of spark back up on some of these uh, little nooks and crannies of history. I mean, but he does seem like a dude who would have signed Modest Mouse for oh, the yeah. first I couple mean, of singles, which is really important. The only Modest Mouse song I think he sings on is Head South. He sings on Head South? He does the... Head South. Oh. <laughs> at the end of the chorus. <laughs> doesn't need to be there at all. No, definitely doesn't need to. <laughs> um, and it's... Back to you a little bit here, though. Oh, sorry, but but before we go to me, also we will. So top ten of the albums, non-albums, and then top three moments from each of the core members. We're talking Judy, Isaac Brock, and Jeremiah Green. Right. Um, I want to talk about you and your fascination very specifically here because I'm in a room with someone who is from the Pacific Northwest. Right. So of course. I haven't had that relationship with Modest Mouse, which I'm also kind of jealous of. I was just saying before we started, like me being from Tennessee, my equivalent would be like Johnny Cash. Mm -hmm. You're from P the Pacific Northwest. Your equivalent really is Modest Mouse. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, Modest Mouse and Built to Spill. Right. Which kind of, when I was growing up, those two come simultaneously, like a package. Hand in hand, yeah. And, and you learn from both. For me, yeah, I mean this is where things turned as far as even my my playing music like i was still yeah. i was in a punk band for end of junior high early high school that dissolved and then i started playing music with two other guys and we were all very very much into modest mouse right. and half of our practice was just playing third planet and playing you know <laughs> like we, we we'd play modest mouse songs right. our drummer had a very jeremiah green like sent like sense to him like just, where is he He's still, I believe he's still in Madras, Josh Cooper, and he was a hell of, I don't know if he still drums anymore. Bring him back, dude. If I know, he, I, I've told him a thousand times, move to LA, we need drummers. If he drums like Jeremiah Green, then he needs to move back to, or he needs to move to I don't know LA. if he still does, you know, he went more traditionally as children and, you know, regular life. Gross. He's, he's, he's not insane like we are. <laughs> you mean he's not in his 30s talking about a band that he's been listening to for 20 years? <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay, cool. That's a good definition for insanity. But my band was even called in high school Lemon Scented Dirt. Was wow. Band, and that's 
a modest mouse reference yeah. from medication, as you know, right. where he says, can't make dirt clean, so we'll just lemon scent it. Um, so, and also we love that lemon scented dirt, our abbreviation was LSD. You know, we love so it. So sick. So cool. What a fucking narc. I still think that's hey a great guys, band name. marijuana opens your mind. Oh, come on. <laughs> When I first heard Modest Mouse, after I got over the confusion of like, what the fuck is this? Mm -hmm. You know, even after listening to Kid A, I'm like, what is this? Like, even Kid A made more sense to me mm -hmm. than the moon in Antarctica did. It really, really crushed any dreams I would have had about writing simplistic lyrics. Right. Like he took them all. He took and well, no, not not that. His angle, his approach was his so approach, different. Yeah. Like, and now I sit like when I write something, if I write something along the lines of like never going home again or like baby I miss you, mm -hmm. which I would never do anyways. I think of groups like Modest Mouse who probably right. had lines like that, but reworked it. I mean, I was the exact same way. Like right. my in this band, Lemon Said to Dirt, my lyric writing was so painfully derivative. I'm sure. Uh, like yeah. I was just going for all those Modest Mouse metaphors. Because uh -huh. what happened is you're taking this this guy who <clears throat> basically has a barely an education, right? And somehow everything he says is like this random hick poetry yeah absolutely and he like somehow is describing the the art of existence through his lisp and through his experience with 
his experiences with religion growing up. You know, he grew up, uh, his family was basically in a cult before right. they went to Issaquah. You know, everything about Issaquah turning into a suburban strip mall town yeah. is described epically through like Lonesome Crowded West. Oh yeah. Oh, and then, even Drive. Even you know yeah, that's well, where like, it started. For me with these first three albums, which are this is a long drive for someone nothing to think about. The right. Lonesome Crowded West and the Moon in Antarctica. That was really hard to rattle off. It's um, difficult. Yeah. He makes I it, feel like he doesn't about, make it easy. The first one's about him discovering himself. Right. And also a lot of tour lyrics. The second album is about the urbanization and industrialization of Issaquah for and sure. just everywhere in the Northwest. Right. And about touring a lot. Right. <laughs> and, the, and the moon in Antarctica is the world in general. Like now he has this viewpoint on the entire world. And he's able to encapsulate a lot of different perspectives. Right. As long as record. he eats about a pound of mushrooms right before he does it. Well, I'm sure the listener is incredibly confused, almost like listening to Modest Mouse for the first time. So I guess <laughs> uh, life is imitating art here. Um, they're from, Modest Mouse is from Issaquah, Washington. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what Cam has been saying. Issaquah. And not at all to be categorized with the post-grunge band still reigning mostly dominant in Seattle in 1994, right. 1995. They skewed more towards the anomaly of the Olympia scene. Am I right in that? Of course, yeah. And they were connecting. The freak scene. Right. They were connecting through bands like Link and Built to Spill and Heavens to Betsy, which was an early incarnation of Sleater Kenny. Oh, wow. I didn't yeah. even know that. So that's how they were. That's, I believe that's, to a certain degree, the six degrees of separation of the scene that right. they were in when they first met each other. And just getting out there. You know, they had a van, and Isaac had some pretty basic knowledge of how to fix a van. So <laughs> Right, which just... are very prevalent and prevailing through the lyrics yeah, as absolutely. well. For, especially on This Is A Long Drive for Someone With Nothing To Think About. Or even lonesome can't get this engine turned right. over yeah okay by the way also for the listener when we say drive we're talking about this is a long drive for someone with nothing to think about and when we say lonesome and or west we're talking about oh, the lonesome. lonesome crowded west and when we say moon we're talking about the moon in antarctica yeah founded in 1992 by guitarist and vocalist <laughs> isaac brock bassist eric judy and drummer jeremiah green Brock was a high school dropout at 16, and he was only 18 and living in a shed next to his mother's trailer home when the trio began working together. That shed is full of lore. That shed is definitely full of lore, and it would basically become the band's rehearsal space and base of operations uh, for quite some time thereafter. But yeah, quote-unquote, the shed, the shed is where it all started. Where it all started. I mean, right. I imagine that shed when I hear... Sad, sappy stuff. So do I. Which, yeah. for the listeners, is their uh, col first collection of B-sides. It's actually released in 2001. 2001, right. It was their original album that never got picked up, and I wonder why. Gee. <laughs> well, the thing about Sad, Sappy Sucker, too, is it was only released due to the popularity of, of the moon in Antarctica. Right, and just, and just Modest Mouse in general, because at that point... They had, you know, when the Moon in Antarctica came out, that's their third LP. But right. they've had the Blue Cadet EP. Mm -hmm. They've had the Fruit That Ate Itself EP. Right. They've had the Interstate 8 EP. Right. And the Night on the Sun EP. Right. You know, and their first and second album. So, I mean, they've, they had so much material by the time Moon even came out. Yeah. I hate to jump around here, but now we're on the, the conversation of Sad Sappy Sucker. Uh, Stereo Gum named it the worst Modest Mouse album, stating, quote, the album is as grating and undercooked as indie rock debuts come, full of <laughs> indulgent studio experience, uh, half-assed sketches, and tunes that sound like a generic sadcore band's demo cassette in high-speed dub mode. Sad Sappy Sucker asks the question, how many built-to-spills do we need? 
Wow. Yeah. Okay. Pretty well, rough. I love that though. It's hilarious. I love it too. It's great. Uh, yeah. But and they're not wrong. <laughs> the weird thing about Sad Sappy, and we'll probably get to this later as we get to the list. The first fifteen tracks make up the original album, and tracks sixteen to twenty-four mm. come from Brock's answering machine. It's not fun. As he originally had a call to dial a song service where people could call a number for a new song every day. That's why that of course that's did. why the second or not the second half, the last eight or nine or ten songs of that record sound like they're from an answering machine because guess what? They are. Right. Yeah. Speaking of Isaac Lore, um, so yeah, another part of the Northwest. I went to college in Eugene, which right. is, you know, where he he wrote Moon in a house in Cottage Grove, which is twenty miles from Eugene. Gotcha. It's like a suburb. So there was a lot of lore about Isaac and Eugene, just around, I can only around imagine, the campus, dude. like Isaac yeah. sightings. Everybody had their Isaac sighting. And one of my friends uh, who went to school there, there was like the the campus lunch spot, this place, Glenwood. Mm-hmm. And people would, it was kind of a fancy one. Right. And apparently there was a, he, my friend Paul was there and he was apparently said he saw a guy eating alone and like kind of wearing a disguise. And Isaac came in <laughs> wearing a fake mustache and punched him in the face. And they just started tackling each other inside this restaurant and both ran out. And everybody was like, that felt staged. <laughs> but why? That's oh, right. Why is the question? Uh, another a, one. I have so many. Uh, yeah. I, I'm I, I so excited. I don't want to, I don't want to bring some of them up because some of them are, um, sure. Terrible. Incriminating. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't think Isaac, Isaac's one of those those artists that I, I am obsessed with. I of course. A, one of the best musicians of my time, but right. I never want to meet him. No, I don't want to meet him either because at that point, you're going to have to kill your idol. Mm. What are we getting into now? Let's do a list. What list do you want to start with? Let's do non-album songs. Non-album songs. Yeah, because we were just talking about Sad Sappy Sucker. That's considered a non-album. That's considered yeah. a compilation. So anything on this list that's fair game is off either Sad Sappy Sucker, any of the EPs, Blue Cadet, Fruit that ate itself, Interstate Eight, Night on the Sun, Everywhere in His Nasty Parlor Tricks, No One's First and Your Last, or the B-Sides album Building Nothing Out of Something. Right. Which is maybe my favorite record. But Most we'll of these songs later. on mine are from that. See, that's <laughs> I could have put every song off of Building it's Nothing Out of Something. as good as most people's albums. It really is. Uh, most people's great albums. You go first, Mr. P&W. So this is the only time we're going to talk about the post-Glory Days Modest Mouse, which, again, we're ta- calling 95 to 05. Right. My number 10 is the only thing past that time, and it, it was originally, I believe, the B-side for the Float On single. Okay. It's a song that ended up making on the EP from 2009, No One's First and Your Last, and it's called I've Got It All parentheses most right yeah and the reason i put this on there is because i heard this with the float on single Mm -hmm. and so i heard this even before i heard good news okay so to me this album still in my memory falls in with the glory days of of modest mouse and i just think it's a it's a really good window into where they went with we were dead and strangers to ourselves but it's not overly maximalist or i'm sorry bad right because a lot of a lot of that stuff is just not as listenable as it once seemed. Um, he went Isaac went really maximalist on a later Modest for Mouse. For sure. And yeah. it, I, I find it mostly annoying. And his voice changed too. There's no there's none of that boyish quality. Right. He's like Absolutely. Yeah. He's a little bit more angry muttering. But I got it all most. I I like the lyrics a lot. It's like snotty. It's fun. It's classic yeah. Isaac. Um and I've I listened to that single with this on it over and over when it first came out. So I have 
quite a quite a special moment right. for that song. So, so that's my ten. You're going to talk about good news again in yeah, this podcast because I want to talk about that record. We'll, we'll talk bit. about good okay, news. Okay, cool. So, okay, so my number ten is going to be Four Fingered Fisherman. I love it, and that's uh, track two off what of Sad little, Sappy Sucker. It sounds like you're out at sea when you listen. to It that. does. Yeah. And I I put some lyrics with each song. Thank you for be- doing that. Because I have to. He's, he's one of my favorite lyricists. I'm so jealous I didn't do that. And my lyric for Four Fingered Fisherman is it's weeds pulling weeds and you're blaming yourself. Okay, we're all indifferent in our own ways. Mm. We're all indifferent in our own ways. I love your lisp. By the way, guys, if you haven't listened to Modest Mouse, Isaac Brock has the meanest lisp oh, that yeah. comes across in almost Every production has got me. <laughs> I have a mean Isaac, you know, so I'm doing you, it a lot. You really do have a mean Isaac. I love that song. Yes, yeah, so do That's I. That's a good one. Number nine. Uh, my number nine is kind of a cheat, I feel like, because it is a comes from a split they did uh, with 764 Hero. Okay, it's cool. It's a single. Can but, you explain this to me a little bit? Because uh, apparently the band 764 Hero and Modest Mouse just made this song together with everyone involved. And what's the song called? It's called Whenever You See Fit. It's a great tune. It was the first time I heard it actually listing back in preparation for this. I feel like also things that make my list make sense around the era that that these came out in, and this is like right. LimeWire. Uh-huh. You know, days. So when you hear an artist, you don't necessarily, you're not going to hear maybe Tiny Cities and Float On first. No. You're just going to get a bunch of stuff that you find and download. And this is one of those songs I had forever. I thought it was a big, on an album or something. Yeah. And then realized years later that it's just a random split single. And, and I, I think just love this song. This band, I was looking back at previous show bills um, because it interests me, and maybe this is something we'll stumble upon later. Modest Mouse was a pre-internet band. Yes, um, they were. And they got big by... Doing what bands did at that time. They got in that van and drove touring across the country. Relentlessly, ceaselessly. Yeah. And it seemed like this group, 764 Hero, was their opening band for quite some time. Yeah. Especially around the drive days. Yeah, this is definitely early stuff. And the song has a good mix. I've I've heard other 764 Hero songs and they're pretty good. Are they? Yeah. Um, but this has a great mix of both of their vocals. And Isaac is Almost kind of annoying in the song, a little bit. And I, I mean, love he's it. he's almost kind of annoying all the time. Yeah, it's just like it, it works. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's his vocal styling. Yeah, it's like I feel like Isaac Brock being so singular is also the for the people who like hate Dylan. Like, oh yeah, I know who Bob Dylan is. I just can't get around his voice. I can't get around this all the time. Yeah. Like there are people who can't do it with Brock either. Wake up early and you lit to regret. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, what's it, your nine? My nine is off of the Interstate ADP. Okay, so it's possibly on building nothing out of something. It's not, in fact. Then Track it's five. Probably edit the sad parts. There you go, Daddy. Um, I love this song. It had been a long time. I will since be talking I heard about the song. song a lot. Okay, it's good. also on my this so list of mine. Then, then I'm gonna hold off on getting into it so we can because we're gonna be overlapping a little bit. Yeah. Here. Um, I just want to say my favorite line from Edit the Sad Parts is a stand-up comic and a rock musician making so much noise you don't know when to listen. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's classic. And it's a classic Brock line too. Yeah. yeah. And that that song is full of them. That song is full of classic Modest Mouse energy. I can't believe it didn't make one of the records. Drive. It's actually on my vinyl copy of Drive because they re-released Drive. Oh, it is. Now Drive has Edit the Sad Parts at the end. Just at the very end? Yeah, track 17. No shit. Yeah. I think there's one more track. Maybe, I can't remember, but 
Yeah, I'd well, bl- it's I'd, a better ending track than space travel is boring. I disagree, hundred percent. I, I think don't, space travel is boring is an incredible ending. See, I want to re just retrack list that record and make sure that make everyone happy. Mechanical birds is the last song. That's on that not. Record. That is not modest mouth style. At least classic ones. You're mouth. right. You're right. They end with an absolute bang. They don't end with a whimper or a, like a jam out. That's they true. they end with a short. I little, disagree, my friend. Do you not know how Lonesome Crowded West ends? It still ends with, I mean, the drums on that shit wake you the fuck up. They there's really no, do. All no, right, we're going to get to that later, too. Mm. We're going to get to and that later. And what people are made of? Yeah, we'll get to that, too. Um, okay, what's your number eight? Number eight is off The Fruit That Ate Itself. Okay. The only song I have on here from The Fruit That Ate Itself. Really? Because I'm not a giant fan of that EP. I, have I know two, you are. And I know that we're going to overlap here. It's so. the final song, Karma Karma's Payment. Payment, yeah. Uh, I love this. We I love the backwards intro. You know, it's like incredible. little stupid studio things yes. they, that I got into because then I'm like, oh, you could just reverse your song, right? Yeah, That's so cool. This was like the sixth Modest Mouse song I ever heard. When okay. I tried to make it through Moon and I couldn't do it, I'm like, okay, well maybe there's something else out there. Mm-hmm. And I heard Karma's Payment, and it that song that that song actually really got me into Modest Mouse. Yes, yeah. it's oddly catchy for how odd it is. Yeah. <laughs> You know, uh, also it has the traditional Brock like lures, like uh, 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 yeah. uh like his cadence, it's like his and, little scat rap, exactly. Like, well, uh, down low, oh, exactly. I am not, not who I, I want, want to be. be. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, I, I have this really, um, treasured belief that every lyricist gets one perfect California because I think California is like the most lyrical word. Ever. It That's is almost why I think people move here just because it's so fun to say California. Right. Oh, the syllable count is perfect. Yeah. yeah. I mean, think about the OC California. That, True. How much money yeah. did that just oh say in California? Make? <laughs> but he has one in cars down to California. California. And the way he just drops it down the whole yes. time. I love it. Modest Mouse as a group does a lot of sliding. Mm-hmm. Like either especially way, Judy. especially Judy, which we'll get to, which we will oh. certainly get what you to. got for eight. Uh, my eight is going to be another sucker, another <laughs> off of sad, sappy sucker, because apparently I'm a fucking masochist. Yeah, apparently you need to go to a psych ward. I do. Yeah, I should probably talk to my therapist about how much I've been listening to sad, sappy sucker. <laughs> but this is one of the only other listenable songs off of sad, sappy sucker. Uh, track five from point A to point B. See, we have different sad, sappy sucker favorites, which is really odd because I like worms. I like worms versus birds. birds. Classy plastic lumber. And picnic. And I'm a four-fingered fisherman from point A to point Point B, B, guy. Point A to point B is a classic, though. It is, and honestly, that seems like the mission statement for what Modest Mouse would become. It has almost everything that would repeat itself in the later discography. Now, am I correct that that song has the lyric, Baby's Clean Conscience? Yes, yeah. Which, Mm -hmm. um, to get into more lore, and we're not going to talk too much about this because we can't. okay. But that is later becomes an ugly Casanova B side. Gotcha. It's the breadcrumbs because he does that. Isaac leaves breadcrumbs from even other all albums. All over the place. All yeah. over the place. And we'll get to that, I think, a little bit later, too, because yeah. there are some lines that repeat themselves in songs over the years. Yes. Usually thematically. Thematically, like, yeah. But also, too, it's weird to think about the catalog at large because they were tracking so many demos before all of this started to see the light of the day as far as their catalog is concerned. Mm-hmm. It seems like there's some overlap even within the band's writing there is even live they would do a little 
little snippets of that. Like when they play a couple times when I saw them when they play drama mean live. Right. At that end part where it's like gets really that do 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 do. Isaac would sing. He would get really quiet and he would sing. So you think you feel about everything, never knowing that our minds are. He'd sing Life Like Weeds Bridge in drama mean. I love that for like a dork like me. I'm like Uh this is the best moment of my life of course yeah because <laughs> yeah. it's the universe you're a meshed in that i'm like, like I, I know what you're doing yeah i fucking love it <laughs> yeah right you know um and my line my lyric from uh from point a to point b is point a to point b oh i know lots of points with no points in between for me uh also just to finish that so lonely but never alone i know i'm at my house but i wish that i were at home that's such a classic Isaac such twist. Such a classic bro. Just a twist of the words. It's a turn of phrase mm-hmm. that he does almost every single lyric, which really drives it Especially home. Especially in all these classics. Like, yeah. Uh, seven I got from Building Nothing on a Something. Uh, I've got a building on my seven, too. What's yours? A Life of Arctic Sounds. God, I love hey, that song. Hey, all right. I might be goddamn. <laughs> Why did you choose that one? Uh, because it's just always been my song that gets stuck in my head when I ever, I'm on tour, when I'm going on a long well, 100 drive. 100 miles is a long um, drive I just sing it to myself. Yeah. 200 miles is a long drive. And I love, I love getting, getting the... 500 miles? The ones right that are different. You know? uh-huh, it's right. a long, 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 long ways in a car. Yeah. Real <laughs> 700 miles is too <laughs> far inside a car. Yeah. yeah. Um, love that shit. God, we are. Is anyone even going to listen to this episode? I mean, even if you love Modest Mouse, we're testing you. We really like, are testing you. But I love the lyrics to that song and how basically it's three different pieces of songs. Definitely. You know, the as long as you're gone, there's that beginning, then the miles in the car, and then the uh, life of Arctic sounds. I might be goddamn part. And they just somehow all work. Yeah. I don't know. That's the thing about the material we're speaking of today, Modest Mouse or Brock as a songwriter, is that each song, or rather quite a few of their songs, have separate vignettes or like suites. As long as you're gone, I can't apologize. Oh, my God. 
what do you got for what's your building? Nothing. My building is actually Interstate Eight, Track Two. Um, That's uh, going to be on this list of okay, mine as good. well. All right, so I just want to go ahead and say, you go out like a riptide, you know no that ball, ball has, has no sides. sides. What a fucking lie. You're an angel with an amber, amber halo. halo. I love Interstate Eight, and we'll just skip it when when I get it to mine. So we no, can talk we won't about it. skip it. We'll talk about it again. We'll skip me right now, so we can hit it later. Okay. So What's your six? My six is edit the sad parts. Oh wow! From the you know, I wish EP. we had a, an agreeing sampler here, like we I did know, for Radiohead, because we'd be getting that paranoid android solo. Um, but the vulnerability of the opening lyrics of edit the sad parts is unmatched in his unmatched. catalog yeah for sure um, sometimes all i really want to feel is love sometimes i'm angry that i get so, so angry. angry yeah and it's really like a almost um like a a header or an objective or like what you put on a resume you know just like a little about me right. you know yeah and it explains what you're going to go through with isaac for all these albums for the know? rest of his career almost yeah yeah maybe minus we were dead before the ship even yeah. Sank. yeah i don't know what's going on in that album uh but yeah, the, the just opening a song with that and the way the, the out-of-tune, clean chords are playing and Eric Judy's bass line in edit Is incredible. Part, which I, we're going to get to again. Yeah, we'll so get to that later. Let's move right along. Uh, my Was that your six? Yes. My six is actually title track off of The Fruit That Ate Itself. Oh, she's so uh, weird. Track six, dude, I love this song so much. I legitimately can almost not stand this oh, song. Oh, Really? That's so weird because I feel like it also has a lot of the classic themes that Brock was going to explore for the you know later in his career as well. Um, I don't and, even know what the lyrics are to this song. Uh, my favorite lyric is "Take a drive in the wrong hand lane, got <laughs> bad breath, talking about fresh rain." So Isaac did a lot of drugs. He did and, a pound of mushrooms every two months, apparently. But if I had to describe the albums in drugs, the Moon in Antarctica, yes, is his is is mushrooms. Right? Would the fruit that ate itself be meth? Meth methamphetamine. Yeah, for sure. The whole album sounds like he's on meth, and I, he probably is. You know what? It's weird that you hate the fruit that ate itself. I don't hate so the much. fruit that ate itself. I think it's their worst release in these glory days. That's so funny because you are also a Pitchfork fan, and Pitchfork called this release abrasive and harrowing. I agree. That's that's a perfect way to describe it. But hold on. With that being said, Pitchfork also said in the same breath. Uh, but acknowledge that it was a quote unquote useful window back into the pre-internet era of indie rock, mm -hmm. which it most certainly was. Definitely, and you know I have Karma's Payment off that album on my list. Yeah, and I and Sunspots vied for a position on this list too. Sunspots I love that's a great tune, yeah. and that's about it for me on Fruit. Personally, I'm not a Dirty Fingernails fan. Uh, and I'm not really. A I love day. dirty finger. What the fuck is wrong? With okay, you? well, okay. Let's keep going. My number five, and you might have this from building nothing out of something, is what I have found a, a new appreciation for this song over the pandemic, and it's whenever I breathe out. Oh you my breathe god. In, okay, so negative. yeah, we're definitely we're overlapping. So we're I think I we're love the, that we're the same modest mouse fan. I love almost. that. This isn't my number five, <laughs> except for fucking fruit. <laughs> and you love good news. For I don't people who love, love bad good news. news. Yes, you do, dude. All right. I love Just some like songs you on only it. listen to Division Bell by Pink Floyd. If you do that again, I'm gonna lose <laughs> it. That's not funny. Um, let's <laughs> let's talk about whenever you breathe out, I breathe in. 
positive negative for a second because I'm just going to go ahead and say that's my number three. Okay. Um, but let's talk about this song for a second because this song uh, is is maybe one of the most beautiful things ever written as far as I'm concerned. Yes, and in, in that scrappy, not great fidelity way that you know rules building nothing out of something and makes these songs such a special piece of like random history absolutely um whenever i breathe out has the most paint by numbers modest mouse riff and it's perfect definitely you're right about that (laughs) it's just it's just every modest mouse riff kind of an amalgamation of them up to then you know and then basically again two different songs it's like he he had the positive negative chorus and he had the whenever i breathe out chorus and he's like why not both Put them both together. Yeah. I've done that actually quite a bit in my yeah. writing. Have you also done that? Yeah, I think so. And uh, you know, the song doesn't really change. It just kind of like mm-hmm. slow, slowly breaks down and then builds back builds up. Builds back up, which they're definitely known for. And it's such a great way to describe not only bipolar, but just depression. Just just the feeling of nothingness. Of course. And um, just, you know, not wanting to do anything. Not yeah. wanting to sleep. Not wanting to hang out with anyone. Just... Just all, just a total void yeah. of like emotion towards anything. What I love about this song, minus everything, mm-hmm. um, is that also, and I was unaware of this until I did a little bit more research into it. Their first proper single was "Broke," which right. I'm sure we'll talk about, and that was in '96. Yeah, feeling we're going to talk about that. But the B side to "Broke" was "Whenever You Breathe Out, I Breathe In." Mm-hmm. So technically. That was their second proper single, if you will, because it was the B-side to Broke, which blows my mind because how... I mean, I'm going to say maybe prescience quite a bit uh, in this episode because Modest Mouse was a very prescient band. Yes. Again, as we discussed earlier, they were doing a lot of things that would come to define the genre for decades to come. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that this came out in 96 blows my fucking mind yeah it's dude. wild it just really blows my mind do what's your quote from this song i'm curious my breath from this song is I, I mean there aren't a lot of lyrics to this song they're all powerful though they're all very powerful and i'm sure uh guys when we talk about like or cam was just saying you know this this track in particular which if you haven't heard it and you're wondering where to start your journey i would say go and listen to this one immediately right now maybe we'll even play it I could listen to this song for sure. Maybe let's play it right now. Yeah, let's do it. Hey, haven't seen you around in a while. Hey, haven't seen you around in a while. Hey. Thank you. 
Beautiful, brilliant song, and its simplicity is brilliant. It's a, it's incredible, and it, I almost 
sorry, I almost don't want to talk about it anymore because it kind of brings me down. Okay, I'm feeling a little <laughs> sad right now too. And not in a, like that's just what this song's supposed to do, and right. I have a special like it has a special place in my heart for that kind of thing. Yeah. So you know, let's uh, let's keep going. Let's move on. Yeah. Uh, my five. Um, every tune we talk about, I'm in love with because of Eric Judy's bass line. Right. I just want that to be, I just want it to be known. Mm -hmm. um, but number five is no exception to that. Gray Ice Water. Interesting. Off of, uh, track 10 off of Building Nothing Out of Something. Not one of my favorites on there, but I, 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 love I respect the hell out of that. Gray Ice decision. Water. Uh, and my lyric from that is, you got a job up in Alaska. It's easy to save what the cannery pays because there ain't no way to spend it. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and it's true. <laughs> I've never known that lyric. Oh, God bless Isn't it great? Man. Yeah. All my friends in Oregon that are like, kind of like, like it's a shithead thing to do. In the summer, you move to Alaska, you work on the, the oil rigs or something out there, get a whole bunch of money, can't spend it because there's nothing to do. Nothing to do, yeah. yeah. And then you come back and then you don't work for it. Then you'd be a shithead for three See, months. that's stuff that I don't know and that I'm so happy to be talking to a Pacific Northwester because... Yeah, I mean, I, I understand a lot of the references he's kind of making or like the shit talking he's doing in right. a lot of songs. Um, okay, so the next... Did you say the next three yes. are off of Building Nothing? That was your five. My four is Interstate 8. Okay. Which we talked a little bit we about. We did talk a little bit about. But to go on, I love the imagery of Interstate 8, you know, the the uh, figure eight. Like I'm I drove around there. for hours. I drove around for days. If the listener doesn't know, Interstate 8 is between San Diego and Tucson? I think so. I believe it's yeah. right at the bottom of the border. Right. And so I believe this song was definitely written um, around that. And again, I wanted to mention uh, Nicole Johnson, who's on this song. She's on... Uh, head South. She's on a lot of songs we're going to be talking from early Modest Mouse. Right. I don't really know who she is, but beautiful vocals. Beautiful voice. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, let's talk about building nothing out of something very quickly for the listener because mm -hmm. I feel like, again, we're getting ahead and people are like, what's building? What are they even talking about? Building nothing out of something was released in 2000. Yeah. Um, and was that, I think it was right before yeah. Moon in Antarctica, Yeah, correct? it was early, earlier than the year. Yeah. Um, and all songs, it's another compilation. What a year. Yeah, what is seriously what Jesus. a year. Um it's a, another compilation record kind of like we were talking about Sad Sappy Sucker earlier. Um but these songs were all originally released from 1996 to 1998. If somebody asked me what the best B-sides album is ever, I would probably say Say this Building album. Nothing Out of Something Me Too. Mm. Actually, when I listen to Modest Mouse selectively, it's like, "Oh, I haven't seen my friends in a while. Let's listen to Modest Mouse." Mm. I put on Building Nothing It's out really of easy to grab Building cuz yeah. you know yeah, they're like a bunch of old friends every yeah. song on here. Um and then, okay, moving on, my number, th or what's your number four? My number four is Karma's Payment, which we okay, talked about. Right. And I feel like we've talked about um, the fruit that ate itself a little bit. I'm sure you would love to touch on it more. You know I would, dude. <laughs> okay, so the fruit that ate itself was released in 1997. Um, and this was after their debut seven inch, which you believe I talked, or which I believe you talked about. Um, and releasing a handful of singles, they went into the studio with Calvin Johnson as producer to record this EP. But by the time it was released, and this is what I was talking about earlier, the overlapping, mm -hmm. by the time it was released, the group had already moved to another Northwest-based indie label, Up Records. Up Records, right. uh, Which was preparing to put out, this is a long drive for someone with nothing to think about. So these were made pre-long drive. These were made pre-long drive. They That's were interesting. I always picture them in between long drive and lonesome. But it's because... They make it, more sense pre-long. It, it does make... Makes sense. A lot of these, like 
It's funny, you and I have such a love for building nothing out of something. I have a love for the fruit that ate itself. All these songs were really, really early songs mm -hmm. that were released after they had already gotten a lot of traction from releasing their debut LPs or the, you know, the first two LPs. Right. So it's important for me to focus on that for the fruit that ate itself because these are really early tunes. And this is actually, for me growing up in the Pacific Northwest, is a really good example of what a band did something really right. Yeah. By the time they were getting talked about, there was so much I could dig into. So much you could dig into, but also there was so much on the queue. Right. Like they just kept releasing and releasing and releasing for quite a few years because they had built up this back catalog. I mean, from the time I heard Modest Mouse, probably in the year 2000, yeah. to when Good News came out in 2004, right. I don't think there was a point in there where I'm like, I need a new one. I was right. still, I was still, getting, still getting into it. Like, right. I mean, by the time Good News, I'd loved all, I'd heard and loved all of it. Of but, course. Yeah. And that's what I love about The Fruit That Ate Itself because it was an early collection. And mm -hmm. also, upon its release, the band expressed some embarrassment <laughs> with the marginal nature of some of the tracks in an interview, <laughs> speaking to your distaste for it, uh, joking that Calvin Johnson would start recording every time they jingled their keys. That was the joke, <laughs> that Johnson would just like, we need to record that, which is probably why this EP came out so weird. Um, but yeah, I don't know how I feel overall about Calvin Johnson. <laughs> I mean, listen, man, he was integral. Like yeah, without absolutely. Johnson, hundred percent. And I'm being a dick. He was that, in the Halo Benders too. That's that's a for Doug sure. Marsh project. Yeah. So he, he's untouchable. I don't know why I'm being a jerk. Also, that first uh, Blue Cadet. Mm -hmm. um, that was him too. That was him. But Sub Pop originally passed on that tape. Mm -hmm. So and Sub Pop and K were in the same building. Right. So when. Isaac Brock took that first EP or demo, if you will, to Sub Pop, and they're like, uh, no. He just went downstairs to Kay, and Kay was like, uh, yeah. Right. So it was really necessary. As, as annoying as Calvin Johnson might be, he was like so pinnacle for the band getting that first leg up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my number three is the first song on Building Nothing Out of Something, Never Ending Math Equation. What a tune. As I said, the first Modest Mouse song I remember hearing, um, but just fell in love with it after that. I remember it's one of the easiest songs for some reason to play on guitar. Like, even mm. that chorus, do 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 And as a young guitarist learning that, that pattern, I was like, dude, this is awesome. I could just write songs like this all day. That was probably really revelatory for you to learn that lick, being such a young player. It's, it's still my memory of it when I hear this song. I just, like, I mimic playing it, you know? Yeah. And, I mean, like, we're going to talk about opening songs yeah. and closing songs uh -huh. on their albums are very important. Very. And it's no different on building nothing out of something. For sure. Never Ending Math Equation is a very building nothing out of something way to start it out. For sure. Yeah. Um, it's a B-side, but it's... All, way too damn good. Yeah. And it's catchy. It's odd. It's, it's one of their so catchier catchy, songs. Dude. I mean, yeah. and that opening lyric. I'm the same as I, as was, I was when I was six years, years old. old. But oh my God, I feel so damn old. But do I really feel, feel anything? anything? Yeah. <laughs> That's another one of those headers, the mission statements yeah. from Isaac Brock. You <laughs> For know? sure. This song kind of feels like, I'm not sure when it was written exactly, but it feels in between Lonesome and Moon to me. Well, it was written between 96 and 98, or maybe it was written earlier, but it was released between 96 and 98. Yeah. Because that's the whole thing, uh, as we were just right. discussing. So there's a possibility it was after Lonesome. 
Um, it could have been absolute. It, it, it just feels like with the universe works on a math equation. It starts like it's these are the lyrics he's going to be using in, in Moon and, and like Antarctica, the, the yeah. overarching like grandiose lyrics that he ends up using to describe basically the coldness and like loneliness of Issaquah recycled to the entire to the world. entire universe. Yeah, to the entire universe. Yeah, for sure. It I mean, because the, the whole line universe is, feel fucking lonely. Right. The universe works on a math equation. I'm not that even never try even to ever really that even ends end to end. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do you got? Three. My three was whenever you breathe out, I breathe out. Oh, right. So we're gonna and go we, we, right on to number two, which I believe I. I I'm almost positive this is in your top two, and that is track three on building nothing out of something broke. It's actually not. Oh. I knew that. Since, I'm almost offended. No, hold on. As I said earlier, I hedged my bets. Okay, I cool. knew that you were going to bring broke the, the, to the table, so I took out broke and put something else in. Let's so we call broke Modest Mouse's first song. <laughs> Yeah, it's hard not to. It was their first proper single. Yes. Um, they had released singles prior to that, yeah. obviously, but they were they were localized singles. Mm -hmm. They weren't like we're making a big push for this yeah. single. So it's in, and this was '96. It was released in '96, um, and it is for all intents and purposes their first song. Now you want to talk about lyrics? Uh, Broke yeah. is one of my favorite lyrical Modest Mouse pieces ever. Absolutely. Just because he, I love when somebody takes one word. And finds all the ways that you can use that word. And for this song, Isaac chooses the word broke and just rings that thing dry. That yeah. word dry with every meaning it has. You know? Right. <laughs> also, it seemed like the beginning of him really settling into himself as a lyricist. Absolutely. Uh, we're about to talk top three moments for each of the three core members. And actually, Broke is on one of my moments for Isaac Brock. For Isaac. So that's where I put my Broke as opposed to on I the mean, list. Broke a promise because my car broke down. Yeah. And again, that's that turn of phrase. Yeah. Like, uh, Broke a promise because my car broke down. Such a classic excuse. Broken hearts want broken necks. Is like, how is that not tattooed on everyone? Right. That really <laughs> should be. Like it's, a, it's amazing. So what's your number two? My number two is, and I swear to God, if you call this record the fucking amnesiac of their catalog, I'm walking out right now. I already did that, didn't I? Uh, you, not today. Okay. <laughs> God damn it. Here it comes. Speaking of, oh, here it comes. Here it comes. Oh, from Everywhere in His Nasty Parlor, Parlor Tricks. Tricks that came out in 2001. The amnesiac. Died of radio, fucking do you want Modest. me to do you want me to leave right now? Do you want me to leave? How does it not make sense? The Moon Antarctica comes out in two thousand, their most epic album. Kid A comes out in two thousand. Okay. Amnesiac two thousand one, a collection of B sides from Kid A. It's not and a collection of B sides ev from Kid A. Everywhere it is nasty part of tricks, two thousand one, also a collection of B sides from Moon Antarctica. It, it was partially recorded at the same time of two thousands, the Moon and Antarctica. That sounds a yes. lot like amnesiac. Hmm. Sounds no, because amnesiac was something that lived on its own. I no, think everywhere in his nasty part of tricks has some pretty good legs, don't you? It has some legs, but it's not the same because this was actually more of a like a trash can of all the tunes that didn't make the record. I once made a, a playlist of of what I thought if they could it could just be a twenty song album, Moon Antarctica with these songs. Yeah, it's too long. Does <laughs> does it work at no, all? No, not really. It's too long. Honestly, dude, here it comes. Track uh, seven off of Parlor. Um, is one of my favorite Modest Mouse songs. Of it's all a great time. song. It's a really incredible song. It has everything you need from a Modest Mouse song without a freak out, which is nice. It's, it's a, a lyric song. It's actually a good place for a noob 
to get into Modest Mouse. It's a friendly too. invite, yeah. It is a really a friendly, friendly invite. There's a couple of those on par. Um, and my lyric is, you always told me life's a dam that breaks. Well, here it comes. If you sit still or if you run, well, here it comes. So now we're drowning in birthday cakes. Well, <laughs> here it comes. The place and the time we knew that things could go wrong. I just brought it up on my re-listen that uh, now we're drowning in birthday cakes line. I love it so much because I'm like, is is that a metaphor that's just saying we're all getting older? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. That's so good. Isn't it great? It's the best line. I thought it was either that or a line about how you're just always having to go to somebody's fucking birthday party. No, dude, it's definitely <laughs> about getting older. <laughs> I love it. Either way, it's a great line. Either way, it's true. Uh, and now we've reached our number My one, one. non-album, non-LP, Modest Mouse track. What My is number it? one is also on Everywhere in its Nasty Parlor Tricks. And what? What? Yes, and I think of it in the in the in like my main catalog of my favorite Modest Mouse songs. I'm gonna ever. go ahead and it's call it. It's in the top five. It's Night on the Sun. It isn't absolutely it? is. Yeah. Night on the Sun only would be on a B side or an EP because of how great the Moon in Antarctica is, and that the Moon in Antarctica itself already has stars or projectors on it, so it doesn't need Night on the Sun. Right. But Night on the Sun is one of the best Modest Mouse songs of all time. It is. And it's one of the best songs ever written. It, it actually is. I'll agree with it's you. It's the best use of harmonics I've maybe ever heard. Um, I, I just, this song is a parrot. You can live in this song for you nine can. minutes. Yeah, and you definitely can. It's one of his stranger, like when we say textbook Isaac riffs, like this one is a little bit, feels a little bit more Eastern. Mm -hmm. Influenced, if that makes sense. Sure. And, dun, 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 dun. and it's very hypnotic. It is very And it right. takes its time, and it has some of the most strangely vampiric Isaac Brock mm -hmm. lyrics. Uh, there's all this lore about what it means. Is it about heaven and hell? Is it about drug use? Is it about fucking vampires? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> right. like, if you want to take it literal, but yeah. it's just such a journey to go through Night on the Sun. It is. It's, it's I knew that thing. was going to be your number one. Yeah. It was at my number one for a second. I had two parlor tricks, ass to ass, Requiem for a Dream style. <laughs> and uh, I chose to take off Night on the Sun uh, because I knew you were going to put it there. What's, what do you got for number one? Honestly, I put one of my other top number one Modest Mouse songs at number one for the non-album list, and that's Other People's Lives. Wow, okay. Because, dude, this song, talk about prescience. Uh -huh. It predicted social media that's addiction. That's very true. Um, other people's lives are more interesting because they ain't mine. Other people's lives seem more interesting because they ain't mine for like minutes he, he that's the refrain and it's dude it, it it's talk about the simplicity and the boiling down of the fat of his lyricisms mm -hmm. that line is perfect it's one of those lines you're mad you, that he got to first you know it, it, how many lines of brock's are you pissed off that he wrote and you didn't right though? of course almost yeah. all of them yeah this song to me, I, I love that you chose. I love other number people's one. lives. I love it too. I do think it's one of the rare Modest Mouse songs where I'm like, is this still going on? It's still happening. Because yeah. it, it's long and it, if, it seems like it should have been over two minutes before it ends. For sure. <laughs> well, but then you get into like the whisper. Yeah. Like, well, I'm fed up. And, and he teases out of gas. Yep, exactly. Uh, like I said, those breadcrumbs. Breadcrumbs. All, all over, over that the song. place. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, great this list. is a great non-album list. If you're a Modest Mouse fan, you might be in heaven. 
You, know? you might be in heaven. In heaven, everything everything's is fine. fine. In heaven. <laughs> wow. Of course, nobody. Yeah, you're right. Nobody no one's, has any no one's idea what get we're this. doing. Yeah. Um, just just a, a little dis- disclaimer. Uh, we're here recording at Bedrock, and I guess I think the pandemic's over because it sounds like it. There's about 19 metal bands around yeah. us playing right now. As so. we were saying, I think the dude in the next room just downloaded all the guitar stems for Death Heaven Sunbather right. and is just playing the guitar just stems in them up. the next yeah. room. <laughs> yeah. So if you hear a little bleed, that's what's going on. Sorry about that. Doing the best I can over here. And I want your top three. I want your top three greens now. Yeah, let's start with green. So to split up the two lists, guys, we're going to talk about our three favorite moments or tracks or whatever Mm -hmm. um, from the three principal members, the trio. uh, And we're going to start with the drummer, Jeremiah Green. Um, Al's top greens. Honestly, dude, and just on his technique for a second, aside from the initial head-scratching difficulty, it must be to compose backbones for (laughs) Brock's largely meandering and unpredictable stylings. The seamlessness of his talent in blending these swaths of Tom grooves with like emoting heavy-handed swings that sometimes ascend from almost nowhere is his insignia. Like in specificity, uh, no other person was playing drums like him at the time. There can't. There, there seems to not be a song Isaac can write that he can't figure out a way. I to don't drum understand to. that because can you imagine? <sighs> no, I just put not. yourself in Jeremiah Green's shoes for a second, and Brock comes in with a tune that is barely listenable. Certainly, yeah. I mean, I imagine doing the cockroach with no drums does not sound like a song. That has to sound insufferable. <laughs> like you can't make it through the full playing of that. Right, the rendition of that. Um, um, okay, so I'm going to start three to one, and there's a common theme between all three. Ooh, nice, I like that. So my number three for Jeremiah Green, and I'm sure it's on yours too, uh, because this is the perfect song to exemplify his playing and mm-hmm. his dynamics, Trucker's Atlas. That's my number three as well. Oh, fuck. That's incredible. <laughs> it's it's a it's timeless beat. It is. Change the way I even thought about how you could use the hi-hat in a drum beat. Absolutely. My drummer from I keep referencing Lemon Scented Dirt. Josh would Josh Josh. You're really plugging your old bands. Every time, you know, we had a lull, he was just trying to do Trucker's Atlas, you know? Like and he had it, but nice. You know, he had it, but he, right. it's a very, like, I don't know. I feel like it's a high school drummer's drumbeat, at least from the Pacific Northwest. It Everybody is. wants to play trucker's ass when right. they sit down on the set. Again, because, and, and this is important for the listener to know, too, like, we haven't talked about this too much, but grunge, post-grunge, mm-hmm. you know, the world was kind of, the music world was reconstructing itself after the anomaly of grunge. Yeah. And to have this drummer play these like really groovy tom fills and these long six minute i mean trucker's know, atlas is 10 minutes long. 10 minutes long yeah uh and and what i love about it too is that isaac trusted that drum beat so much that they they basically build nothing around it right like little guitar went i think that and song then just the just vocals i'm pretty know? sure that song started with the drum it pattern had, too it had yeah, to have that's a jam that's a jammer that you right. write together probably i don't know or Jeremiah could have just been like, hey, I got this beat. You want to do something with it? And Isaac's like, just that? Yeah. Yeah, that's perfect. That's great. Yeah. But it, it that the, the chugging beat adds perfectly to the monotonous lyrics about touring and about right. traveling a, across America and like just empty 
drives. Going up to Alaska, going to get ice for fucking free. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, love it. God, it's so good. Okay, number two, uh, my number two green, another great example of how groovy he is, is off of building nothing out of something, and that's All Night Diner. Oh, yeah, I know you hate All Night Diner. No, I don't. I just knew you would find a way to talk about All Night Diner. I because s- it's one of my favorites by Modest Mouse. I'd love yeah. that for you. You know, that sounds yeah. like a lot of fun. Uh, that is, to me, that's the cocaine song. When I have sex, I'm going to think about the pavement so I can prevent premature exactly. ejaculation. There's yeah. more, more, I don't know if it's actually Isaac or if he's talking about characters in the song, but there's more I learn about either him or these characters than I would ever want to learn in this song. That very yeah. true. And Jeremiah Green, his part in this also kind of showcases his like sexy groove. Like he's got this it's, thing yeah. that's insidious <laughs> and like just so, it's I don't so know. It's so slime ball. It is very is slime ball. Is. All Night Diner is the slime ball anthem. Uh, but yeah, the drums are fantastic. Incredible. Best part of the song, yeah. I would say. Yeah. Uh, I'll just rattle up my number. What's your number two? My number two is Tiny Cities. Because of course. I, I feel like the drum beat of Tiny Cities kind of, at least when I didn't know as much about music, right. you know, back then when I first heard it, I was, or like even in the mid 2000s, I was like, Tiny Cities created this whole new genre of like dance, dance indie. indie, yeah, yeah. Indie, indie disco punk, like, right. Like any data rock song is just the drum beat of Tiny Cities made right. Rest, you yeah. Know? Like, and I'm not right about that. That beat's been going on for way Forever. before Tiny Cities. Right. But it did feel like it, it had this groovy, funky, um, and also just, I mean, you just feel that beat and that bass line. And you're just like, let's go. Yeah, let's do exactly. This. It's yeah. one of those, those Modest Mouse songs that everybody knows and everybody loves that's not float on. Yeah. And it's because of Jeremiah. Green. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, my number one is, and I'm going to talk about this song a hell of a lot more from here on out, Trailer Trash. It's wow. just, I know, and this is going to be... Jeremiah a, Green, your number one is Trailer <clears throat> Trash. That, that speaks to the... Okay. You're going you're gonna to see how this bleeds into the other characters of this tale, mm-hmm. but Trailer Trash to me is the perfect song. Mm-hmm. Why don't you put a pin on that and just talk about Jeremiah Green's drumming? Because I feel like we'll, we'll come back to, to what you're about to say. Well... We are going to come back to it. We're going to come back to it multiple times. Uh And it might even infuriate you how much we're about to come back to it. But um, the, I don't want to call, I guess you could call it the outro, but. Okay. Like that, when he swells Mm -hmm. in that song, that is the perfect example, again, to use the word example of Jeremiah Green's dynamics and sensitivities with using his cymbals for overhead and using his tom fills uh, for a much more um, elaborative purpose. Like, Let's just say this. When he gets to that point, exactly. I wouldn't want to be around him. No, nor I. Yes. <laughs> like when he's drumming like that, it's, it's, it, gets, it gets frightening. It fr- very frightening. <laughs> All right. Well, let's... What, what's your number one? My number one, and I thought this would be your number one too. I thought it was going to be obvious. Is of course styrofoam boots. Uh, well, that's going to be something I talk about later in okay. a different capacity. But the drum mix on that song is, is incredible. I guess it's not louder than anything. The the song up until that point does that old. It's almost like LCD Sound Systems track one on this is happening. You know, right, dance yourself clean. Like, right, the whole song's real tucked down. Right. And then when you get to his drums, they're just insanity. You know what's really infuriating about styrofoam boots, minus how good it is, um, is that still to this day, I've probably listened to this song maybe, I don't know, 
236 times, mm-hmm. maybe more. If you don't you don't know where the drums come in. I still can't count it in. <laughs> still. I can't either. I just brace myself. I'm like, Me too. All right, here it comes. Here it comes, here it comes. And I'll, I'll air drum it, and I'm like, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. And then it'll hit you right when you pull back. And yeah, it like, is, oh, you son of a bitch. It surprises me every time. That's why it's number one. I and have tried to count in. If it's... <laughs> If it's not impressive enough, the drum part and how loud it is and the crisp recording for Lone Subcrowded West, which uh, from front to back isn't exactly known for. No. Especially this drum sound. Right. This drum sound sounds unique on the Very album unique altogether. because otherwise, like sometimes during West. I'm like, where was this drum sound for T? <laughs> All right. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, I or Breakthrough. Never... Yeah. Or like, where was this? Yeah. Oh, I just, I love styrofoam boots drums. So that's my number one. All right, moving on to the greatest bass player of all time, as far as I'm concerned. Yes, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll let you have your number one first, so I'll, I'll start it off. Start us off. Yeah. So, wow, this my number three for top Eric Judy is Trailer Trash. Okay, cool. And um, we're going to talk about that in a second. But yeah. I don't think I heard the bass line of Trailer Trash until uh, sometime last year. When we were texting about it? Yeah. It, yeah. It, I just, I, I was listening to Trailer Trash because I have to listen to it all the time because it's so great and it needs me to. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's one of yeah, those songs of that course. you're like, it Trailer Trailer Trash you. would like, yeah, yes. like me to come back and listen Trailer to it Trailer Trash now. is calling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I was, you're so focused on Isaac's words and those, yeah. those, those third chords and, and the drumming, obviously, and just the over, the heartbreaking nature of the song. And you don't notice that Judy is just having himself a good little time doing a bass solo the, the whole best, song. The whole song. He's just running the whole song. I don't know song. how you do that and not get that. There's something about Eric Judy that, unlike any other bass player, has this ability to disappear into Absol- a song. Precisely. And that actually leads into my number three which pretty is perfectly. Paper Thin Walls. Interesting. Which is not a song you listen to usually to listen to the bass No, the guitar part, part is kind of the catchy little earworm. But if you listen closely, Judy does these melodic voicings in right. that song that make the tune. Mm-hmm. But what's odd about Paper Thin Walls Minus the song just being kind of odd and perfect as it is. It's and guys, his first attempt at making a hit. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, right. And Paper Thin Walls, for those who don't know, is off of uh, the moon in Antarctica. It's be- the only singly sounding song, and it's track 11. <laughs> track 11, exactly. God, what a great album. I'm a big side B Modest Mouse guy to, like, oh, yeah. to, to touch on that. Um, uh, it's tough, though, because Modest Mouse albums are so gigantic they are that yeah. you, you don't ever have one on vinyl that's just side a and side b so right. i'm almost like a side c, c or d, d guy <laughs> yeah for sure definitely side d on the moon in antarctica for oh, sure big time yeah eric judy is playing again this really sweet melodic almost chordal structure in the tune especially in the choruses and if you listen closely and intently you're so surprised that it isn't more prominent in the mix, mm-hmm. but it would just take up too much room otherwise yeah. because the bass line is better than the song at large. He kind of like just kind of skulks around the song Absolutely. You know, in the most impressive way. In the most impressive way. Yeah. Again, Jeremiah Green finding a way to play drums to Isaac's songs <laughs> yeah. is one thing, but Eric Judy finding bass parts for these songs is almost... A, a much more challenging it's, thing. It's it's as a bass player right. who has written a lot of bass lines for songs that aren't the easiest things to write to. Right. I am amazed every time I hear Eric Judy play bass, which is frequently. 
Um, what's your number two? It's edit the sad parts. Oh, wow. We've got a lot of overlap today. Listen, man, that would have been in my top three again if I wasn't trying to hedge That's my one of bets the, here. And, and that, I put that on there because it's kind of a, one of the few examples where he is the shining. for. Like there is examples where the bass part is the most prominent Modest Mouse element. Right. And this is one of them. And he just shines so well through it's it. Funny how you, it's funny how each person listens to Modest Mouse because... Every Modest Mouse song to me is right. a, is a Judy solo endeavor. You That's know what so I mean? Weird. Like I love every other integral part of the band just as much. But when I listen to Modest Mouse, I'm listening to Judy yeah. the whole time. And it's because of his melodic runs. Like I know we were joking earlier, like, oh and yeah, you're, you're like you're a bass player. Yeah. You bet you really like flea, huh? Flea yeah. fucking rules, right? It's like, okay, so there are two types of bassists out there. There are bassists who want to listen to quote unquote bassists such as Jaco or Flea or Pino Palladino or like, you know, all of these like bass players. Right. But when it came to me in bass, um, it was always two people, Peter Hook and Eric Judy, which is so wow. strange that is, because we're talking about Joy Division New Order and Modest Mouse, two bands that couldn't be really any more different if you really think about it. But the similarities in bass playing are uncanny because it's higher on the neck and it's melodic runs the entire time. Right. There's only root notes every few measures, if you will. Everything else is like this fill, this fill that's actually speaking to you. Like it has a voice. There's a voicing to it that is so identifiable. Like if Judy was in a line of bassists and I had to pick them out, I would so easily be able to pick out Judy just by the way he plays his bass and slides up and down the neck. Right, 100%. And that's important to me as a bassist. Yeah. What do you have for two? Uh, my two is obviously Dramamine. That's my number one. That's your number one. Okay, good. Because I knew we were going to overlap a little bit here uh -huh. uh, because Trailer Trash is my number one. Do you see the theme now? Wow, no way. Do you see the theme I now? I love that. Yeah. I love wonder that what my <laughs> Well, I wonder what my number one Brock is going to be. Hmm. Huh. Uh, but Dramamine is the perfect example of what I was saying where the bass is the main, the most attractive. It is the attractive, focal point. The, yeah. And also when we were talking about how he's not on Sad Sappy Sucker, and right. this is their debut album. So this is the debut of Eric Judy and right. he's... The first element out of the gates with what I think is one of the top ten bass lines of all time. For sure. I mean, do 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 And he proceeds to do that for almost the six entire minutes. Song. The only times he doesn't do that, I listen very specifically, is in the solo, he starts to kind of play with green a bit. Oh, he does. Yes. And he settles so back subtle, into a groove. But yeah. then, and, it's, and then he picks it right back up. Yeah. It's uh, almost like Radiohead's the national anthem. Yeah. You're play, he's playing that one lick the yeah. entire time. Um, Judy, baby. And number one for me, again, is Trailer Trash because... I have a feeling Trailer Trash is probably going to come up in the... Uh, in the next in list, In the next too. list as uh -huh. well. Yeah, I think we're going to be talking about Trailer Trash, as I said, a lot from here on out. So Brock's... Um, this was tough. This is way tougher for me than the other two, just because I was like, I have to highlight just what Brock's doing. Because you're talking guitar and singing and lyrics, right. you know. So it's very hard to like. I don't know. I I, I approach this one different differently than I did the last two. Because Brock, for me, I didn't notice Green or Judy for years because I'm uh, self-absorbed, right? Of course, want to be singer. You're a prick, songwriter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I was an Isaac Brock guy. I was just yeah. like, whatever he's doing, golden. Yeah, Love it. Exactly. Uh, much more respect now. But um, what did you start it off with? with three? Um, actually, 
but but before I get into three, I just want to say, still to this day, and prior to beholding it for the first time, I have never heard anyone use a whammy bar or a guitar tremolo to execute such personified harmonic bends mm -hmm. as he has. Well, a simplified way of saying that, and I agree, I had never heard anybody whammy up. And the fact that he wasn't using a bar, the fact that he was just hitting the bridge with his picking hand <laughs> in between notes is... One of the coolest things, man. I, yeah. Again, I had never heard anything like that. Still to this day, I don't think there's got to be something wrong with that bridge. It shouldn't be sounding like that. But that's the thing. That's modest mouse to pretty much a layman's term. It's like it sounds like a bunch of shitty gear played by a bunch of geniuses. Right, for sure. <laughs> and I think on that note, one of the most important aspects of the songwriting and its prescience. There's that word again. Um, and and for its secured place and timelessness is that each element of the contributing individual's sound represented their personal and unique perspective. Right. So here we are talking about Jeremiah Green and Eric Judy and now Isaac Brock. Each three of these players were so unique. And for some reason, they worked so well together. Yeah. And that's what really blows my mind about Modest Mouse as a band at large um, because it's it's an impressive achievement for a band to pioneer such an unusual set of techniques, but not be defined solely by that trick. Right. So like Jeremiah Green and his toms, Eric Judy and his slides and his melodic runs, Brock and his har harmonic bands. They have like bands. little like, uh, like textbook things they do. Exactly. That when they do do them, you get excited. You're you like, get oh, so yes. It's like I'm listening to a Modest Mouse song. Yes. Right. Uh, okay, so with that out of the way, Broke was my number three. Fantastic. Because, right, you said you right, Because of his lyricisms and because it was the first proper single and because he does the harmonic bends on Broke. Uh, I mean, he does it basically on almost every song, mm. especially in the early I love catalog. the descending. So good, dude. So incredible. Like, it's beautiful, and he just rests on it for a while mm -hmm. in the beginning. You know? Yeah, he lets it breathe. That song breathes. It does. And... It was allowed to breathe because of Jeremiah Green and Eric Judy holding the rhythm yeah. section down. Also, Broke is a great example of Green and Judy, too. Yeah, like, totally. Just, all of them. Yeah, really all of them. I definitely went for number three way more, you know, just thinking, like, what's a song that's just unique? And I, I immediately, of course, came on Bankrupt on Selling. That's my number two. Wow. Yeah. Wow, we're aligning here a lot. We really are. Are th uh, this will they or won't they between <laughs> us is certainly becoming in uh, uh, turning into a will they pretty quickly. There's so so much tragedy in those lyrics and <clears throat> so really many is. so many textbook brocks. I mean, the snottiest brock. I love the line. It stayed with me all through college. Is uh, well, I'll go to college and I'll learn, learn some lot, big, big words, words and I'll talk real loud. God damn right, right, I'll be heard. heard. You'll remember that guy that said all those big words. words he must have learned, learned in, in college. college. <laughs> That's so, a forever lyric. I want to talk about this song for a second too because you and I were talking about the Pitchfork Classics documentary about right. the Lonesome Crowded West. But I learned this from that documentary, which I think is a special thing. Like Other than the obvious poetry of the song, um, there's something else incredibly special about it, perhaps brought about by the way it was written, uh, which was in the van, on the road, uh, when they were out on tour for This Is A Long Drive. 
Uh, Dan Gallucci, their right. extra guitar player, which I we call haven't, him auxiliary player, auxiliary number player number one, which we haven't even talked about up until this point. He was a very integral part in the beginning. He was in of, Sad Sappy Sucker. Yeah, he was, but right. um, wasn't again in the band until around much Good later. News. Yeah, so Dan Gallucci was playing this guitar arrangement for Bankrupt on Selling. He wrote the chord formation, which he makes sense because it doesn't sound like anything else Isaac would write. Right, it actually sounds like. Um, Kansas or something. For sure. Yeah, something so strange. It's like dust in the wind. Right. And so Gallucci was playing this good this guitar line in the back of the van and Brock was just kind of ad-libbing, wow. singing, writing the melody, writing the words, and that's how this song came about, which why is why I believe it's so unique in the catalog. It really is. Because Brock didn't write it with his guitar in hand. Mm-hmm. He just wrote these lyrics atop this line that was being played from the back of the van and was able to kind of like maybe try some different things. It's also I feel like in the in the canon of Loans of Crowded West, I find the song to be very expertly penultimate. For sure. If that yes. makes sense. Oh yeah. Like it's because it, it is sounds the like the track. penultimate song of an album. <clears throat> and right. Especially in that album. And it's one of the to me, one of the strongest points in Lonesome Crowded West. Absolutely. Um, the the cool thing about Bankrupt on Selling, too, is that the song marries the concepts of religion and consumerism, mm-hmm. which are two dominant motifs. Almost all the motifs in Lonesome Crowded West are represented in each stanza exactly. of Bankrupt on right. Selling. Right, so it's kind of, it's blending the usually separate topics that each other separate song would be reserved for into one of his most powerful tunes. Yeah. Yeah. Only saw him play it live once. I've never seen him play that live. Wasn't great. It, it wasn't. <laughs> Let's get this out of the way. Modest Mouse isn't the best live they're, band. They're in the definitely world. not. They're really but not. They're an experience to yeah, behold. Yeah, still, you love them, so you want to see them. Right, live. of course. Um, my number two, and this is going to be the most shocking part of the pod right here. I'm going to blow your mind right now. Can I but, try to guess? Yeah. Shit luck? No. My number two Isaac moment, because <laughs> motherfucking good for him, is float on. Wow. Because it's not one of my favorite songs by any means, but it's not easy to write a hit single. It is not. Definitely not. And he did it. And he fucking did it his way. And Do you remember when Float On came out? Absolutely. And I'll paint the picture. (laughs) And um, they were playing the late night circuit. And almost every late night host, including David Letterman and Carson Daly and everyone, in their introduction before Modest Mouse was to play Float On, they all said, and this next group, our musical act of the evening, might I add, well overdue. Like almost every late night host was like, Hey everyone, this band that you've never heard of that's been playing forever for 10 years at this point. Here's Modest Mouse with Float On. Like, yeah, I mean, Float On, it did, it, it opened the doors forever for him. For is this the last time you're going to talk about good news? Or are you going to talk no. about good news again? Okay, cool. Because I still want to talk about that album a little bit more in depth. Um, but yeah, so your number two was, was Bankrupt. Was so Bankrupt. What's your number one? wonder what my number one is. <laughs> is it Trailer Trash? Trailer Trash. How'd you know? All three members represented in, it's just the perfect song. Along the doors, and a couple of kids, of course, they don't. 
choice, with no class. Goddamn, I hope I can pass high school. Taking heartache with hard work. Goddamn, I am such a jerk. I
Again, and I know it's going to be number one on your album list. Hey, don't. don't I know it is. Don't fuck with me, dude. Um, It's just the fakes. That yeah. like the shouting the fakes. And that's from, the best part of seeing him live. Everybody in the crowd does the fakes. Of course. Thanks. He taught me, I do a lot, of, I blend a lot of screaming and singing in my own material. Right. Isaac Brock taught me that. He taught yeah, me absolutely. the sensitivities of layering. And that it's okay. And that it's you know? totally okay. Why not? You're, you're allowed to use it as like almost like an affectation. You're allowed to scream. You're allowed to layer a silky whisper a natural timbre and a scream. You're you're allowed to layer those three things. Mm. And he taught me those sensitivities of delivery in that uh, to weaponize the subtle aggressions to enhance meaning of like whatever particular line it was. And although he wasn't shouting fakes, like he wasn't screaming it at the top of his lungs, just having that from behind the mix. Also, I feel like he fucking invented that shit. Like I feel, doing I, the, I the say background he did too. scream. Yeah. So yeah, like I who, nobody that does that like he did. Like, no, and I hadn't heard it up until that point. And quite frankly, when you go back and you listen to, you know, deeper into the canon of American music, I haven't heard anyone else do that. I'm sure people prior did it in the back or in the past, and were like, you know what, that doesn't really work. That doesn't sound. Good. It doesn't. It doesn't work. It, like it works for Brock. Like it just works. It works very perfectly for him. And all these reasons you're saying for Trailer Trash is why my number one, why I have my number one where it is, which is Teeth Like God Shoeshine. Yeah. Because the same thing, like there's, there's, there's sweet, oh, he sings sweetly, he sings with a scream, with a growl, and everything in between, he does it all in that song. And also he has one of his craziest solos that at the end of Teeth Like God yeah. Shoeshine, a solo so good that he can't play it. And they don't play the song live because of that. I was going to say I've never seen them play that live either. It would be the best song for them to play live. Cause it really it would. fucking rips. But they unfortunately, they, I mean, they just can't really pull it off. Um, can you recite the lyrics for the listener for the really, chorus uh, of Teeth Like God Shoeshine? Some of my Shushan? favorite lyrics from the song is the first verse because... He paints, he paints this claustrophobia that you feel through his words. Oh, my God, you feel with it. With the opening line of the Lonesome Crowded West is, from the top of the ocean to the bottom of the sky, will I get claustrophobic? And I've never really thought of it that way. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and right, he, yeah. Again, experimenting with marijuana for the first time. It opens your mind, And bro. you're reading lyrics like this, and you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? It's, yeah. it's, it's wild stuff. Also, the fact, okay, so going back to it as well, Modest Mouse is lyrically defined, thematically defined by the urbanization of the Pacific Northwest corner um, and strip malls, just this boomed era of strip malls. The fact that he dropped the name of a juice retailer that was in every single mall when it first started. Okay, so that reference made sense to everyone. Orange Julius's are everywhere. I, but I don't think a lot uh, – the younger generation now has no idea what an Orange Julius right. is. Uh, we caught the tail end of Orange Julius's. Because, I loved them. Yeah, I loved them too. It was like – it was frothy. Yeah. It wasn't healthy. It wasn't healthy no, for you No, who even knows what it is? I don't know what it is. I just know it's it tastes Julius. like an orange creamsicle. Yeah, it's awesome. And it was like the precursor to Jamba Juice. Well, because we went to – you know, in the Isaac lyrics of Lonesome Crowded West, it's towards the – we're talking about – towards the end of that generation that went to the mall for fun. Right. Went to an Orange Julius, went to Sam Goody Music Lab. Oh, yeah. Met their friends, flirted with girls, like fell in love at the freaking mall. Got, I got rejected so many times at a mall. I Again, can't we're not talking you. about the internet generation yet. No, we're not. Like, 
the internet almost ruined Modest Mouse. And malls. <laughs> or at least trying Definitely to malls. at least trying to flirt at malls. Yeah. But I mean top ten malls. Should we songs. do it? Is it yeah. time? I think okay. it's time. So start us off with your number ten of favorite, definitively favorite top ten modest mouse LP songs. So it's not like I didn't have this list already before this episode just made on my own. Of course. For fun. Yeah. But I made it probably four or five years ago on just a Spotify playlist. So I went back to see if I still felt the same way. Is it the same? I moved a lot of things around. You did? Not really at the time. Actually, yeah. I actually, there's, you know, you get older, things change. Things do change. (laughs) Yeah. But this one slipped its way in. It was probably like my number 12 or 13. But when looking back, I'm like, there's no way I can not have this song. It's so important to me. And that's what people are made of. Yeah, what people are made of. Such a good song. The last song on the Moon in Antarctica, it's gigantic climax it's the moon antarctica is a lush beautiful album of seven eight minute psychedelic trippy songs right that take you all sorts of places and tell you all about life in general and the world and how bleak and scary it can be in the universe and then what people are made of is the last two minute barn burner where they just they just rip all the rules they away of making an album yeah they tear it down and they yep. give you a post-punk song that sounds like it was recorded through a goddamn car muffler. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And Isaac has his most insane revelation that only Isaac could have in what humans are made and of. And what's that revelation, Cam? That revelation is the one thing about he knows about human beings is this. And this is the last line of the moon in Antarctica. They ain't made of nothing but water and shit. <laughs> and it's fucking true. After all of these lofty concepts about how humanity interacts with space and time, that is the last line of the record. I love that song. Like I said, my high school band, we ended every show we played with it. We were like, <laughs> and, and what was your high school band called again? Lemon Scented Dirt. Man, marijuana and opened Josh, your mind. Our, our drummer bought a China symbol because oh, he was like, I got to get that part. China of course, you know, yeah. the song has a China symbol. In Did it. he use the China anywhere else? On it in your it didn't set. really work anything. No, anywhere, no, the China only works like <laughs> two or three times in a human's lifespan. Yeah. Okay, your ten. My ten is off of Lonesome Crowded West, track number nine, "Out of Gas." "Out of Gas" is the perfect song for me because of Brock's lyrics. Yeah. Uh, especially considering I had a drink the other day. Opinions were like kittens. I was giving them away. Yes, I had a drink the, the other day. I had song. a lot to say. Yeah, that is the best. Obviously, the best. That the best. feels like that encapsulates Isaac Brock as a whole to me. Okay, well, the reason I'm not totally in love with Out of Gas is for, on that note, it kind of feels like Paint by Numbers, Modest Mouse to me. It does the riff and like I like that line, but it's like it's almost like I almost feel like I've heard Isaac say a version of that line already. That's we're talking about breadcrumbs, dude. True. It, you, it's funny you talk about this Paint by Numbers thing when you were just championing them for having this breadcrumb thing. Like, they have recurring themes. They have variations on a theme, which Let is what this. makes... Yeah, okay. I think Out of Gas would have been a fantastic song on Long Drive. Long Drive would have been... It would have been perfect. I think they, they leveled up when they did Lonesome Crowded West. Right. And to me, it feels like Out of Gas... They're they're they they're beyond that. Now. See, I agree with you, but I also disagree with you because there were so many automo automotive themes okay. on Lonesome Crowded West that were specifically from touring so much right. off of this is a long drive. Of course. So it doesn't feel like 
it's out of place there. Okay, it's I have more, to tell a story. Okay, here we go. Damn it. I knew the story was going to be inevitable. Okay, so the reason I kind of don't like out of gas. Oh, here it is. I went my first time in when I was in college to go see Broken Social Scene. Oh, great. At the, at the, at the Rose, Roseland Theater in Portland. I and, love the Roseland Theater. Yeah, great show. So we all took acid and ecstasy. Okay. Candy flip. You know? Yeah. We're going to see BSS. Yeah. Me yeah, and my friends were candy flipping. For, for sure, this dude. You were about to hear Epic Swimmers show. live. Oh, one yeah. One of the best shows I've ever for seen sure. in my life. Yeah. Forever memories all through it. They pointed at us at one time and said, I'm pretty sure this happened. Said, this one's for you kids on acid. <laughs> I'm not even joking. We were, we were out of our minds. So the encore is about to happen, and there's all this commotion. Because right. this is an old school broken. So there was like 11 to 13 people on stage. Oh, for sure. And people yeah. kept coming on stage. Yep. And they're like, we got a surprise guest coming out. And we're like, who else? And they're like, ladies and gentlemen, it's Isaac Brock and Jeremiah Green of Holy Mouse. shit. And I'm like, you're fucking kidding. I'm like, this isn't happening. I'm frying too hard. There's no way. It, <laughs> this is too big of a moment. For me. I'm so glad you decided to tell this story. Isaac looks bad. He look, Yeah, he's a little chub. <laughs> he's not he's, looking good. He's probably real drunk. He comes up to say hi, and he just moves away from the mic. He, doesn't, he goes near it, and he just like well, backs away from it. And he like looks at everybody, and I'm like, what are they going to do together? And they start all kind of loosely playing out of gas. What? And I'm like, oh, they're gonna okay. They're, they're gonna, gonna play a modest mouse song. <laughs> to, they're gonna they're gonna do a modest mouse song. He's not gonna learn something today. Like Isaac is about, is beyond that. He's not. He's like, I don't know your guys' no. fucking songs. No, I'm fine. sorry. Yeah. You guys know out of gas. It's pretty simple. <laughs> So they launch into Out of Gas, and they're figuring it out as they go, but they're good musicians. You know, Jeremiah Green and the drummer of Broken Social Scene are both playing drums up there, so I'm in heaven. God, uh, that's beautiful. And he keeps going up to try to sing the song, Isaac, and he keeps he keeps putting a sleeve in, in his mouth and, like, just, just kind of, like, having a hard time, hard, having a go at it. And then he takes his guitar off and walks off stage. What? And they kind of they peter out. And then Kevin Drew goes up to the mic. He's like, we're just getting word that, unfortunately, uh, the whole time Isaac was up here, he was getting violently electrocuted by his microphone. Oh, shit. Um, can we get a thumbs up that we didn't just kill Isaac Brock? We're not getting that thumbs up. Uh, okay, well, we're going to keep going here. And, like, Jeremiah Green just heads out. Oh, and, like, no. I'm, I'm just frying. You know, Dude, just that's, like, a, that's actually a really frightening experience. I'm like, have. that went really wrong. Really wrong, yeah. That's unfortunate. I don't I know mean, if they're going to be friends anymore. Yeah, two worlds colliding like that, and for it to end in such a traumatic way. Yeah, no, you're right, dude. I'm, I'm sorry so, I even brought in Out of Gas for my 10. I feel bad. I feel I like knew I should if Out of Gas come, came up, I'd have to tell that story. I'm so glad that it came up. Because it is a wild story. That's a really I still don't know if it even happened. <laughs> it's crazy that he was... Isaac Brock was like fucking with his sleeve because it feels like we kiss on the mouth but still cough down our yeah, sleeves. Yeah, I was like, is, is he like trying to say something to the audience? Like, But he was actually just trying to cover the mic from electrocuting him. Jesus. Yeah. Um, yeah, too much voltage on a broken Ooh. social scene stage. Yeah, I mean, there's 13 people yeah. up there. Yeah. So, poor guy. Uh, but kind of, you know, like jokes on him. Why the hell are you going to make him play a Modest Mouse song? What also, is, out of gas? Out of all the songs you could have played. See, I even got you saying that. Yeah, so no, there it's we go. true. No, but dude, if I was going to see a super group of Broken Social Scene, yeah. which is one of my favorite bands, and Modest Mouse, which is one of my favorite bands, out the last gas? song yeah, I want to exactly. hear is Out of Gas. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> um, all right, what's your number nine? Uh, custom Concern. Wow. Okay, we're going to overlap a little bit. I love it. Yeah. Uh, custom Concern is track three on Long Drive, and it's the first time that they experiment with beauty. Yeah. You know what Pure I mean? Pure beauty, but at the same time, such 
desperation. Again, Nicole Johnson's vocals on this it's are beautiful. integral yeah. to have the beauty of the song, right. especially on that last verse. Yeah. I don't feel at all like I thought. Yeah. Uh, God. Um, Dude. Just just this this skeleton guitar part just looping through this gorgeous lush land. Um I can't say enough good things about customer yeah, I don't even want to go any further. Yeah, than that's that. great. Okay, my number nine is I told you you were probably going to talk about this song more than you ever have or ever will again is uh, track 15 off of Long Drive, and that's Make Everyone Happy slash Mechanical Birds. I love the song. Super I underrated deep cut. Such an underrated deep cut, dude. Honestly, one of the most incredible guitar sounds he gets in his in, in, in And with entire... a banjo. He's got is that a, what's there, going there's on There's a there? banjo in the intro. Yep. Well, uh, not just the banjo, which also is interesting because it's one of his earliest instances of banjo which got really popular in his later stuff it really did especially on moon i believe no good news good, like oh, bukowski sat oh, in a coffin right yeah um but also the end the the guitar part the guitar solos at the end are some of the i mean they're trying to make their guitar sound like squawking birds <laughs> that's you know? and they're doing a really good job yeah, of make it. mechanical yeah. birds right that's, exactly that's what they're yeah. doing um i love this song so much personally i feel like it should have ended drive as we were talking right, about earlier. don't agree but um, all right i know space travel is boring is your thing i love it uh, uh but this, it, talk about a song where he's like again in the theme of long drive trying to like understand who he is absolutely the lyrics are, are perfect for yeah for that kind of vibe. uh and the refrain that i really love from that song is i'm not sure who i am but i know who i've been right and i love that's such a classic like what damn it how did it's so easy god damn it it's so easy uh, my number eight is the last time we will be talking about good news for people who love bad okay. news. And that's really the first song on it. It's track two because there's an unfortunate horn intro. <laughs> there, uh, I, I love horn intro. That might be my favorite part of oh, the record. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Just downhill from horn intro. Uh, the world at large. World at large is, is the only, if I'm being totally honest, is the only song on good news that I feel has that energy of classic Modest Mouse. And, and the, the production from Dennis Herring, who produced... Good news, and we were dead. Although obviously great for a modern rock sound, right? I, I feel like is is the old, the untimely death of Modest Mouse. For sure, it's I just, agree. You know, I, I was never complaining about the fidelity. I know that's unfair. Nor was I. Yeah. I think Brian Deck was the best answer for their sound. From Brian Moon, Deck rules Moon in Antarctica. Yeah. He knew how to play with their experimental nature and make it psychedelic and trippy, but never I liked made what it. Phil Eck did too, though. Um, yeah, earlier, earlier stuff. Yeah, that Phil Eck did. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Brian Deck, I thought if they wanted to make big, uh, well-produced music, I, th I think he was their best bet. And this Dennis Herring guy kind of made it too polished. Yeah. A little bit too slick. I mean, obviously great for modern radio. Yeah, but for sure. The World at Large is a beautiful song lyrically. You kind of see where he's been since Moon. It's very personal. He, he had, I, I believe he had a couple people die in between Moon and Good News right. that were like really important to him. Absolutely. So there's there's a lot of loss in the world at large and it just has this this icy quality that almost sounds it almost to me it sounds like you remember when they re-released Moon and they had a different cover? Yeah. Not as good of a cover. Not as Neither good of a cover. Neither are great. I love I actually love the Moon cover art. <laughs> I, I do love too, it, but yeah. like when I really look at it I'm like what? What is this? <laughs> like yeah. but I feel like the world at large sounds like that cover that glacial like definitely his his record label glacial, glacial pace, pace which is that sound to, to right. the world at large it's just lush beautiful and it's taking its time and you really don't hear anything like that for the rest of good that's good very news, true unfortunately yeah. yeah and little uh trivia bit they uh were jamming this song in the studio 
and that's how they came upon Float On. Float On was a total accident. Gotcha. Yeah, it's the same chords as World. That's why it goes so seamlessly, oh, seamlessly into, into Float it. On. Okay, cool. Um, so yeah. I don't know if you have anything else you want to touch on float on I wise. Do. Or, I do. I mean, actually, good news wise. I mean, you just said a lot of really cool shit. Um, uh, to touch on uh, Deck, uh, mm. who produced the Moon in Antarctica. Right. Um, even a lot of purists at that time thought that sound Absolutely. was much too polished for the low fidelity that they were I'm kind of almost with them sometimes. I mean, I'm not. Because I'm not, Moon asked for that. Moon is such a big, precise, bold, perfect album that it needs that. Isaac but. has even come out and said, like, hey, purists, relax. Like, we actually didn't overproduce the moon in Antarctica. We spent all of our time getting fucking crazy sounds that you hear on the record. Right. So, and, and we'll get to this, but Moon had the opportunity for more experimentation because Isaac got his teeth knocked in right. uh, when well, he was bad-mouthing some people outside a Chicago bar and exactly. unfortunately was not able to do the vocals for right. months later, months which later, gave yeah. him time to not only perfect the lyrics and the vocal right. parts but add space like spacey qualities for to sure um, um and and as everybody knows a big lore about moon is that gravity rides everything ended up in a nissan quest minivan <laughs> oh commercial God, and i remember forget. that and oh, i remember yeah. being like what what like i was for some reason i felt mad yeah i felt upset too and so everybody did and now it, it's so crazy because artists make so little money that nowadays that sound if somebody told you they're getting a nissan commercial you'd be like dude good for you fuck, man yes. yeah exactly um but okay so on their wikipedia it says regarding the commercial because people you know had we're problems obviously really upset Brock about stated it. People who don't have to make their living playing music can bitch about my principles while they spend their parents' money or wash dishes for some asshole. <laughs> God, your Brock is so good. Which is the perfect quote for that. And yeah, I just wanted to touch on that. That we is great. Keep moving. Um, before we move on, I wanted to talk about good news for one one second. Yeah. I didn't know this uh, until we were preparing for this episode. Um, I haven't ever liked good news uh, and it wasn't just due to the commercial success for Float On or the fact that I felt that it was kind of an overrated pop song. I didn't know that Jeremiah Green wasn't on this record. That's probably, yeah. I mean, there, I love Jeremiah Green, of I, course. I do too. Benjamin Wankel of the Helio, Helio sequence, sequence is a fan. He's a really great drummer. Dude. You're right. So it's they didn't they didn't level down. They, I wouldn't say they leveled up, but they they kept with a really good drummer who was, I mean, the Helio sequence was always opening for Modest For Mouse. sure. It yeah. made sense at it the time. It did make sense. Yeah. Um, but I didn't know this. And uh, now that I had found that out, I realized that during the early, now scrapped recording period of this record, uh, Brock and Green had what they both described as a mental meltdown, and mm -hmm. then Green left. That's why Green um, left. Yeah. His exodus was supposedly brought on by the sudden inability to write new songs and the frustration-fueled tension that came with it. Uh, Brock was deeply depressed by his absence. I mean, they had been playing together right. for 10 years, uh, and you were just talking about him losing friends in between Moon and Antarctica and Good News too. So not only did he have friends die, he lost his drummer of a decade. Um, and this sadness was obviously something that he was used to, as we can tell from, right. uh, you know, his entire catalog. But for the first time, palpable. it doesn't feel like it's helping his writing. Exactly. It's, it's giving them all writers. And I was always wondering why good news was just such a quick turn into happiness. Um, 
And I feel like Green's departure was the last straw of Brock's depression that he had at that point decidedly put up with for long enough. And this kind of explains the change in instrumental stylings and lyrical content in the albums that followed, you know, mm-hmm. caused by the succumbing to an exhaustion. They were of, also adding members left and right. They were. Like they couldn't stop. But Brock even said at that time, I'm just tired of feeling like shit all the time. Right. So he made a happy record. Like his a couple of friends died, Green left. He probably had that real huge self-revelatory moment of like, man, I've been sad, bipolar, and like and I depressed. said, like on my Brock ones, good for him with Float On. I mean, right. But okay, so there's, I I, I almost don't want to bring it up because it's 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 morbid. But he's morbid, so let's just yeah. let's just think of this timeline. Let's say Brock killed himself after Moon Antarctica. Okay. Nirvana I'm, I'm, vision, I'm envisioning that right now. What do you think? How do you think people would think of Modest Mouse today? Greatest band of all time. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree. I think Understand. so. Yeah. Uh, and they, like the hit flowed on and the hit brought him some acclaim. And for those reasons, he probably didn't kill himself. Right. But if the last thing that man said was, we ain't made of nothing but water and shit, he and would, then went out, I mean, there would be such, he would be fabled. All day, every I, day. I agree yeah. 100%. I, yeah. I think that this catalog and this Modest Mouse we're talking about today would be Nirvana-style. Large, yeah. influential. Yeah. Um, I think that's an unfortunate thing to think about, and I don't it wish is. that. I'm no, glad that didn't it happen. Yeah, I, just, I truly believe that. That's how I, how I would feel about the... That's a good point, dude. I yeah. don't know. Um, my number eight, because that's what we're on, right? Yes. Uh, is off of, speaking of the moon in Antarctica, track nine, The Stars Are Projectors. That is on mine as well. Is we will, it? We will definitely be talking Everyone about Stars Everyone wants projectors. a double feature. They want to be their own damn teacher. I'm just going to give it away. It's my number two. Oh, shit. And before I reapproach this list, it, it, it's been my number one for years. Me too, I actually. Mean, the Stars Are Projectors, in in my mind, is the pinnacle, the climax. I mean, that's... That's everything they've always reached for was for sure. to make a song that good. To me, it's the the Pink Floyd song. You know, it's Absolutely. the Modest Mouse Pink Floyd song. Yeah. It's it does so many things, and somehow none of them are missteps. No, it's There's the wild it's, things that goes on through. It the is a heavily. It's a heavy experimentation. Mm-hmm. Taking again all of the concepts of Moon and stuff leading up to thereof, and how many putting, times have you thought right wing, left wing? Chicken, chicken wing. wing. <laughs> I, almost every time I see wing, left, right, or chicken, which is crazy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love one of my standout is God is a woman and a woman is an animal. That animal's man and that's you. God, what a line. <laughs> You're dude. like, wait, wait, wait. Can you do that again? Every time I'm like, <laughs> I didn't quite get that. I'm going to need that one wait, again. Wait, the equation's fucking me up. <laughs> yeah. Um, I had to put, I'm sorry I put it at number eight now, knowing that it's your number two. I'm just glad we're talking about it. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, me too. Did you know this? How, how How's this for a, a trivia tidbit? Do you know why the moon in Antarctica is named as such? Uh, I believe it's the only two places that man doesn't live, right? That's a much more beautiful explanation. You know, you do you want to know why the moon in Antarctica is actually named the moon in Antarctica? Uh, named for a newspaper cover that's visible in Blade Runner. Uh, where a character reads selections from the headline, quote, Farming the Oceans, the Moon, and Antarctica. Wow. That's why Brock named the record that, because he was a Blade Runner fan. Wow, I always thought it was because the loneliness aspect of, like, those you two. You would think, like, obviously. Man has touched both spots, but man can't live there yet. Right. We and that's, we haven't, 
that's the much more it. artistic interpretation for right. it. But yeah, it's picked up from a newspaper headline. That's a great tidbit. Runner. Thank you for that. Yeah, of course. Uh, uh, on to seven, which you're going to hate my seven. Oh, I can't wait. My seven is track maybe was it 30 on <laughs> on long drive i can't i honestly don't know uh but i think it's possibly the pinnacle of this album uh talking shit about a pretty sunset that's on my list too fuck we are overlapping so and if you want to say emo that song may be okay i'll give i'll give you that one that's an emo song. it's pretty emo i mean the opening line sung just slightly out of tune is oh noose yeah <laughs> tied myself and tied myself to tie um like this is classic early Modest Mouse. You get it is. you get the verse, chorus, verse, chorus. Right, and then the song kind of just changes, peters for a little while, and it kind of sits there doing almost nothing until he says one of the best lines he's ever written. Absolutely, he says, "Talking shit about a pretty sunset, blanketing opinions that I'll probably regret some." I've changed my mind so much I can't even trust it. My mind changed me so much I can't even trust myself. It's absolute classic, God and almost damn. nothing is happening around that. He's just shouting it into exactly. a field. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, and then one of my favorite instrumental sections of any of their songs comes in after that. Right there, yeah. yeah. It's just a beautiful little fluttery. I guess you'd call it twinkly. It's an emo song. Talking shit about a pretty sunset is an is emo tune. Modest Mouse emo. Second wave. One of the first bands of second wave emo. I'll give it baby. to you. You want? Hell yeah. Your number seven is also off of Drive, track five, and that's Lounge. Oh, nice. Yep. The, wow. Not Lounge closing time. Not Lounge of, closing time off of Lonesome Crowded West. Yes, this is Lounge. Just Lounge off of this is a long drive there is a song a long form song on each one of their first three eps where isaac decides that he wants to play guitar like this and they are called lounge lounge closing time and life like weeds exactly yeah i love lounge lounge was one when i when i listened to drive drive has has some stuff on it that's still kind of hard to make it through like dog paddle which is where they all switched instruments the facial song the facial song exactly yeah dog paddle is dog shit head south still isn't one of my favorite i like no 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 i like head south exit does not ex- exist like there are some tracks uh ohio they like they're just ohio's forgettable yeah there are, there are some there's some stuff on drive that i really am not a huge fan of mm-hmm. but when i heard lounge for the first time especially because it's an eight minute long song with, well that's that's the thing about drive that they they make it tough you they, start with yeah. a six minute song which right. isn't uncommon no uh but then you get lounge track five that's eight minutes right and they follow it with beat side property also eight minutes eight minutes yeah so you know it's, um, it's a also rough. with lounge which is difficult is you have a three minute almost in section mm-hmm. where it's just just it screeches down to a halt. judy's on fire in this judy song, is on so fucking i can see fire. why it's on your list of course um and it just has that it's one of the first songs i heard by modest mouse that had a vibe unlike anything else right it was so dancey and jubilant like and the fact that he's basically it's just a commentary on people clubbing is really fucking funny to me yeah and that's when he was still doing it well before he started doing it badly before like it got hall. bloated yeah um my number six moving on is now we're getting to big songs here man cowboy dan fuck yeah cowboy dan is i'm glad you put it on your list someone had to um yeah cowboy dan is one of the most powerful modest mouth songs to me just the lonely cowboy who drinks all day and is just pissed off about what life has given him but you realize why in the song because he 
I mean, first the imagery of going out into the desert, firing your rifle in the sky and saying, God, if I have to die, you will you have, have to, to die. die. Yeah. is so amazing. But the follow-up is he says, he didn't move to the city. The city moved to me and I want out desperately. And that's that urbanization and that Absolutely. industrialization that, yep. that the whole theme is, you know, he, he never chose to live in a strip mall, this, this character, Cowboy It Dan. came to him. And when you think he's... Isaac flips stuff on you like this song. He literally pulls the ground out from what you think you know about this person, and you spend the whole bridge of the song going through this cathartic, um, mind-bending experience with this character, where you kind of just understand the world and like properties of of your senses, and you start to sympathize with the character. Uh -huh. And by yeah. the time you get back into that chorus where he still can't turn his fucking car engine over, right. you're, you're there with him. You empathize with this character, and Cowboy Dan's a part of you now. Right? You know? Exactly. <laughs> You're just like, ah, get that to turn. <laughs> I love Cowboy Dan. Cowboy I, Dan's I incredible, dude. It's one of the most beautiful mid pieces of any of their albums. My six is Perfect Disguise. Wow. Yeah. Because choice. I that. am a Modest Mouse ballad guy. Mm. I mean, I really am. Um, and I love, I just, I, every time I hear Need Me to Fall Down so you can climb up some, some full ass ladder, ladder. Well, good, good luck. luck. I, I hope. hope. Hope there's, there's something, something better, better out there. Yeah. Broke um, my back. Um, I love When we do, we have another episode coming up this season called The Track Four. And when we that do that. That is a track four. I yep. will have this song okay, on great. there. Okay, great. Because this, what I'm talking about when I'm going to say track four, this is the perfect example. Of a track four. Yes. Yeah. Especially with what had preceded it and what comes after it. You know, um, my number five, which this leads into well, is number five on Moon Antarctica, Tiny Cities Made of Ashes. Right. And Tiny Cities doesn't have, I've D, I DJ that song all the time. It does not have the impact it does when you don't hear When you're Perfect listening Disguise to first. it from the record. Yeah. yeah. Perfect Disguise sets you up for Tiny Cities where you're like, oh shit. Where are we going? Yeah, I was what, I was fine back there. I but, was actually but just hanging out. Almost it's like it's like, like a, a shuttle little, just taking off for sure. Know? Yeah, you're like, oh, I, I, are we moving? Also, <laughs> the banjo in Perfect Disguise is really fantastic. Everything about that song is classic. Yeah, really classic. Um, uh, what was your five? What'd you say? Tiny cities made tiny of cities again. Uh, we already talked my five. Custom concern. Yeah, that was my five, which you had. Uh, we've already talked about my number four. What's your number four? Uh, like we said. Modest Mouse can end an album really well, but they can fucking, they know how to start, start one. Start one. What's your number and four? And Dramamine. Oh, yeah. Dramamine. I mean, we, we've touched on Dramamine already a lot, but I mean, it might be the, I think, yeah, I think it's the best song on Drive, in my opinion. I think so, too. I mean, it's I'm, the only one they again, still might, you I'm might a, be able to see live from Long Drive. For sure. You know? Yeah. Um, I'm a make everyone happy mechanical birds guy myself, <laughs> but yes. So deep. So, so deep. Such a deep guy. <laughs> I track, love how I have to track, say the whole title, track too. 14 of 50. <laughs> Um, so, so moving on to number three, uh, while I'm on that theme. Yeah. Cause number four for me was talking shit. Right. Um, um while we're on the theme of starting an album, Teeth Like God Shine is a great number three to have. I yeah. mean, I, I like Teeth Like God Shine. You know, I was into Modest Mouse. There mm -hmm. was like the level of like, I like Modest Mouse. I want to listen. And then there was, oh, now I've heard Teeth Like God Shine. It changes I you. have to hear every song this band's written. It really does change you. Now that we're back on the subject, I kind of just want to talk about that for a second. Like, as we were talking about earlier, the lyrics, um, the malls are the soon-to-be ghost towns will so long farewell, goodbye. Mm -hmm. um, it feels like Modest Mouse 
is a quintessentially American band. 100%. Because of the industrialization and the urbanization, and especially, we've touched on a little bit, but the reason the Pacific Northwest, your hometown, saw such big booms is because of the tech boom and coffee boom. Mm -hmm. And like all these booms that were happening in the Pacific Northwest corner, that area surrounding Seattle was one of the first areas to see these strip malls being built up because there were so there was such an influx of yeah. population moving there that they needed the retail commercial space to be able to keep up with the demand. Right. Uh, they needed the supply to mirror the demand, and that's what's really important about Modest Mouse and their formation. Um, They're definitely quint. Sorry, go ahead. Quintessential American. Yeah, and I feel like Modest, without Modest Mouse, I mean, I don't know if Seattle would be known. Even though they're not technically Seattle, but they're right. close enough. They're close um, enough. Yeah, I don't think Seattle. Seattle might still be just known as the grunge town. Like right. they took a mat. They took Seattle out of just being that grunge right. archetype. They right. had an indie uh, parlay. I mean, yeah, it. you have you have just so much born out of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no death cab for cutie without Modest Mouse. Right, built exactly. Co- yeah, you know, there's totally. No, then there's no postal service. Then there's no, right. you know, there's, there's, the line goes right. on and on yeah. with where the Modest Mouse, you know, footprint started. Uh, my three is, which is funny because I don't drink no more, but every time this song comes oh, on, I'm fucking saying. singing along with the choruses like I just had myself a bottle of tequila, is obviously track 13 off of Lonesome Crowded West. Ladies and gentlemen, Polar, Polar Opposites. Opposites. And it's one of my favorite songs of all time. Actually, period. I take it back. This is their first attempt at a hit. This it is a, really this is. is a pop song, yeah, man. it really is a pop song uh, because the chorus is so catchy mm-hmm. and hooky. But um, God, I love this fucking song. Yeah, but Judy's I, based on these little spiny incredible. verses. Oh yeah, so those. incredible. Um, I just want to read a verse because talk about some of Isaac's drunk lyrics. Um, here's a verse off of polar opposites for the listener two one-eyed dogs they're looking at stereos hi-fi gods try so hard to make their cars low to the ground these vibrations oil its teeth primer gray is the color when you're done dying right that's drugs again uh-huh uh, yeah i, that's, I would say drugs. that's the pound Probably of mushrooms. lsd that the, time yeah maybe the pound of mushrooms yeah um love it though god but damn the choruses dude you know what's I'm, funny i knew i know every word of that verse but until you say it like that i realize how crazy it how is. insane it is exactly. i've sung that to myself a zillion times. me too and when i looked never at thought the, about when it. i looked at the lyrics last night i'm like that's exactly what i've been singing <laughs> right but i never thought about it's so weird crazy, that <laughs> yeah. um and of course the chorus i am trying to drink away the part of the day that i cannot sleep away mm. it really Another makes one that dog like, damn it it, it makes me want to start drinking again yeah like every time i hear it, it makes it, me like, feel okay when i'm drinking yeah, I'm, I'm like sure, oh, yeah, yeah. i'm fine <laughs> not there <laughs> oh okay so my number two is stars um so we already right. touched there but just before we leave it can't talk about stars without talking about brian deck yeah, the production on the stars projector is the incredible. Vo- the way the vocals come in, it sounds so like they weird. were shot out of separate cannons Absolutely. all over the place. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's it's rich and complex. It's overproduced in a good way, right? If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Um, love stars projectors. Used to be my favorite mod- for years. I don't do as much psychedelic drugs anymore, so that's right. probably why it was bumped out of the number one position. Sure, <laughs> but yeah, 
So, what's but hey, as you said earlier, weed opens your mind, right, man. You see, keep doing this. <laughs> I'm, I'm 35, all of a sudden I'm a narc. Th- this is going to become a recurring joke uh, oh. through all of season three. Oh, yeah. I'm going to have to buy myself that Division Bell shirt. <laughs> yep. And I'm, I haven't talked about Bruce Springsteen this episode, so here I we go. I knew you figured. I just had to sneak Your in. number two is just Bruce Springsteen? Bruce Springsteen, yeah. All of Nebraska. Uh, no, my number two is one of the most beautiful songs ever written. Um, and it's also one of the greatest poems ever written. Um, and that's Lives. Mm. Uh, track 13 wow. off of the moon and Antarctica. He's um, a track 13 guy as far I am, as Modest I, Mouse goes. I'm a side D guy, apparently. Um, lives is incredible. Lives like is, we said, it's two different songs, broken part, one shoved right in the middle of it. Um, you want to talk about lyrics that upset you for not writing them. Um, you were the dull sound of sharp, sharp math when, when you were alive. No one's, no one's going to play, play the harp, harp when, when you die. die. And if I had a nickel for every damn dime, I'd, I'd have, have half, half the, the time. time. Do you mind? What the fuck, dude? Every time I hear that lyric, I want to cry. I want to scream. I want to call all of my ex-lovers. I want to meet some future ones. I want to go to court and tell the judge I'm a good person. Like, I, There's so many things I want to do when I hear that line. The songs um, kind of ruin me in some ways. Me too. Um, I can be deeply in love or have a, like a really close friend and then it just randomly goes through my mind. No one really knows the ones they love. If you knew everything they thought about, you'd wish that they just shut, shut up. Shut up. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, yeah. shut up, Isaac. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> As you're talking to yourself in the loony bin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come on, um, man. And that's a great line. I mean, there's not a bad line in this song. Yeah, and um, also when we're talking about that paint by numbers, Mon- Isaac Brock riff that, that he usually does. Doom, doom, uh, doom, doom, lives is a way where he's he still find a way to surprise us. Absolutely, you know? it felt yeah. when you first hear lives, you're like, here's a classic Modest Mouse little but creep no, crawler. No, and then he has that bend and also that bridge. You just don't. Yeah, see, it's like bridges. the clouds part and the sun comes out for that bridge, and you get these beautiful giant like open chords and okay dude number one oh my god what am i what am i gonna say i you we've already talked about my number one so what is it you go first my number one nowadays is trailer trash is oh my god so we've talked about that one too yeah how can i called it by the way is your number one trailer trash no it's styrofoam boots oh my god yep Okay, I, ha- I, I did not to. see that coming. I know you did it. Wow. I know. Wow. Um, okay. Hold on. Let's you talk. contrarian. I love it. Let's talk about Trailer Trash, even though we've already talked about it enough. Well, it, have we? I mean. It deserves to be at number one. Yeah, I mean, you. There's all three members got like number one for the song for you. I mean, but we haven't talked about exactly what Trailer Trash is. And after you get through the first seven songs of Lonesome Crowded West, you hit Trailer Trash. Um. And it's the most personal song yet on Lonesome Crowded West it is. about his upbringing. Actually, maybe the most personal song to date like Possibly. In, in the catalog thus far. Something about, he opens the line with eating snowflakes with plastic forks. Yeah. And there's something so specifically sad about that. Right. Because it's like, that's all we got. Right. Um, and it's a song about being poor and about growing up in trailer parks. Which he did. Yeah. And yeah. the lifestyle that you see out there, I mean... You're not sure if you're going to graduate high school. You're not thinking about your future. You right. know, like you're just trying to like make a buck and like yeah. stay on top of things and not yeah. turn into a fucking meth head. There are so many visual lines in that song. Like as you just said, uh eating snowflakes with plastic forks, but mm-hmm. even less tangible ones, short love with a long divorce. That's one of the best lyrics of all time. I it and it but you you can see that happening in a trailer park when he's singing it. 
Yeah. You can um, see a quick hookup and then things going to there's hell. There's a lot after of that. lot of imagery that I'm sure you can relate to too, but it does feel very specific to the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. Um, yeah. The cold and the sadness that comes along with this type of trailer park living. Um, the sonic embodiment of the color gray. Absolutely. Yeah. And this this song is very gray. Actually, for me, it's almost like a cream white. I don't know why. That makes sense. Maybe it's the album cover. Because I think it's that. I also think it's that's usually the color of the inside of a trailer. Yeah, maybe. That the walls of yeah. the trailer are you usually that, that speckled color. that ceiling and like mm -hmm. the, song, the song makes you feel a lot of ways. It really and does. I think it's one of the top 10 songs ever written. I think so too. Um, and yeah, Trailer Trash, number God. one. Hundred percent. I mean, I still think the Moon in Antarctica is the best album they ever made. I think 100%, so too. Yeah. But Lonesome Crowded West has Trailer Trash and some of their obviously best songs. And Long Drive's great. I mean, they're fucking. They're all so. It's good. Modest Mouse. I yeah. fucking love them. Yeah. Don't we love them? So em? let's talk about your number one being Styrofoam Boots. Well, that's very hick of you, by the way. Uh, well, I was not waiting. I just want to talk. <clears throat> well, some guy comes in looking a bit like everyone I've ever seen. He moves just Does like Crisco Disco Breath, it? 100% Listerine. He says, looking at something else, but directing everything to me. Every time anyone gets on their knees and pray, well, it makes my telephone ring and I'll be down. Like, dude, it is, there's something about that tune. Lyrically, that song is one of Isaac's best. Yeah, like, it's, it's one of his best, like, drunk poet. Absolutely. Uh, like I, I see saloon doors getting so just do like I. violently yeah. thrown open for this for this bad boy. Just to bring things full circle, you know, I, I told you that this is a kind of a cute little personal story of mine. <laughs> uh, that older brother, my friend David's older brother, right? Who, like got him in a modest mouse, and eventually, mm -hmm. uh, years later, like I, I think I was home from college for for some part, and there was a party at somebody's house, and there was an acoustic guitar, and I just grabbed it. And I don't know. Sometimes when I grab an acoustic, my go-to is styrofoam boots. Cool. Because it's it's a very acoustic song, you know? and that yeah. older brother was like came over and like started singing it with me, and it was just God, like, what a moment! I was just like, man, I thought that guy was so cool growing up, and like now I'm playing the Modest Mouse song, and he's he's like, all right, I love that song, you know, and we're both like, just like Crisco Disco, Said you were right. No one's running this whole thing. Oh, fantastic. We're riding this one out with styrofoam boots, baby. Are we? Yeah. Oh, dude, of thank course you. Fuck. It's the ender. Wait, can I do my, my camera? Well, of course, you got to yeah. go parade out for me. Uh, hey, guys. Uh, thanks for listening to Go Parade Episode 3, The Return, uh, Modest Mouse Definitive. And don't forget, weed opens your mind. Go Parade out. <laughs> Well, I'll's not well, but I'm told that it'll all be quite nice. You'll be drowned in boots like mafia, but your feet'll still float like Christ. Well, I'll be down. They were right. I'm drowning upside down. My feet'll float like Christ. They're gonna stuff us if it's into when Peter and his monkey laugh and I laugh with them. I'm not sure what happened. That point is We'll keep you in the back. 